Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Big Handful of Cocaine for You. Turn to oh, on bbgwrestling.com. Big Handful of Cocaine for You. It's time to take out the trash. We can get through this bullshit if we're all really high. I am Pablo. Woo! I, 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 I am Pablo. The first ever Miss Rumble 2000! Well, from the little turd to the big turd, good luck. And with me is the Council Estate Cowboy. My vocal tone. And with me is the Cho Cho Chosen One. Those suplex attack nearly poofed him into dust. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Turn Chuckle on BBGWrestling.com. I am Pablo, and with me is the match made in heaven to my match made in hell is Tempest. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, started, have we? <laughs> <laughs> It's a SummerSlam tradition now, isn't it? <laughs> Summer slew. <laughs> um, yeah, summer champagne. Like I drank, I drank quite a bit of that over the weekend. So like I'm, I'm fine now. But fuck me, it was cheap. Uh, it's insane, expensive girl. You. <laughs> it was, it was an expensive bar, and luckily some people were buying drinks for us. Because uh, when you're in Russia, if you were, if you're like an official person, people will buy drinks for you. But when I wasn't. Uh, when I wasn't getting drinks bought for us, I was just drinking the free champagne, and it was uh, oh man, it wasn't that <laughs> nice. We were um we're in a limo from the house to the uh to the reception office, and <laughs> we got through a bottle of whatever wine it was in about twenty seconds, and uh, <laughs> torpedo and that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. One of the lads, like the stepson's underage, but we oh, we shouldn't tell you this, but like you know, we made him. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we made him. <laughs> he just forced a child to drink a bottle of wine. <laughs> no, just a sip, you know. Um, and then, um, but no one else seemed to like it. And then, luckily, the limo driver was nice enough in the middle of North Shields, which isn't exactly, you know, it wasn't uh, the Riviera for like views and stuff like that. But he got out. <laughs> and he went to the local shop, and he spent five pound on the worst champagne i've ever tasted in my life but uh you shouldn't be able to buy champagne for five pounds <laughs> 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 fucking hell <okay. laughs> that just fills us with a dread that it'd be like a good five pound bottle of scotch or something you're like oh god <laughs> oh the, the the person who paid for it as well he like tipped the bloke five pound as well and then when he drank it he's like i can't believe i tipped more than like the cost of the champagne for like this shite um <laughs> fucking but, champagne <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it was a really it was a really good day and uh you've been at a christening haven't you i have i and it was uh it was me other child my childhood it's me other university best friend college best friend that's not bob i've seen <laughs> michelle and uh like we started drinking bloody diesels again for the for, for people not from the northeast. I don't mean the fuel. <laughs> I mean like basically it's like snake biting black, but oh my god. <laughs> I regret it now. <laughs> well I think I accidentally joined a secret order or something like that. I vaguely remember standing in the car park and car park and like agreeing to join some kind of fucking group. I was like, oh, I was one of those nights. It's gonna be like a hangover film, isn't it? Where you remember things <laughs> months after it's, it's actually happened. Basically, I <laughs> Uh, so what wrestling have you been watching recently? Like I've I've been very much willingly dragged back into watching a lot of stuff now because I kind of like either watch it out of habit or there'll be someone on that I like, but it like AEW has just really picked up its game. And is haven't just, they? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, not even just the punk stuff, which everyone's talking about as well, but my favorite wrestler is Christian. And the fact he's on two shows is like wonderful. Uh, don't get us wrong. I'm not watching all of Impact, but uh, the, the good thing about social media now is that they will put just full matches on the social media. Uh, and you just end up seeing the bits you want to see, don't you? <laughs> but like, AEW is... Uh, it's it's made me a fan, you know. Again, and and I never didn't like AEW, and you know, not everything appeals to everyone on a on a single wrestling show. Um, oh God, I know a lot of it doesn't appeal to me either. Yeah, uh, but in terms of you know making me excited about, do you know how like you were when it kind of first started? And I mean, we all were to a point, but you definitely were because you know it it was your chance to relive WCW again. Basically, yeah, in, totally. like, in like the best possible way, not just using old names or anything like that, but in terms of like the atmosphere and the fact that there's a viable alternative out there and the fact that you've got a billionaire who owns it, who's willing to spunk money up the wall just to have a good Aye. time. Like I, that's I, what wrestling Like what's wrong with that, that as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People will, say it like a fucking insult. <laughs> well, Vince would take it like an insult. I think he would... Uh, <laughs> You know, the quote is, you know, if you try to get money out of them, you'd squeal like a pig stuck under a gate. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, you certainly wouldn't get pyro halfway through a match. <laughs> no. <laughs> Whereas, well, that's the thing, though. Like, it, in the best possible way, anything seems possible with AEW. Uh, you know, they're just willing to go to places that, you know, and this isn't against, like, enough WWE, but... I am a huge WWF fan, but this there's just a lot more fun watching AEW, and they seem to be in. Uh, it's fair in to differentiate the WWF and WWE as well. I think, yeah, because they do feel like two totally different products. That's right, and and the thing is, WWF they may not specifically listen to their fans, but I think creative and star power and etc. was so good that they were just on, like, they could be on such a role creatively. Whereas, mm. I think, you know, especially in the age of social media where fans are, they make their opinions heard loud and clear. And, you know, and specifically on AEW or WWE social media channels and stuff like that, they have to listen. And they are. <laughs> and it's just, you know... It's, it's novel, like- isn't it? They keep giving the fans <laughs> what they want. <laughs> Um, and it goes without saying, you know, the punk uh, debut and uh, subsequent appearance and everything. It, it's been amazing, and it really lifts. What a pop! Yeah. Oh, I've, that, that, for me, I'm trying to think of top loudest pops. I mean, Austin when he came out and helped Mankind win the title. Um, mm. and, and the Goldberg, thing, Jackhammer, and Hogan was the one that came to mind for me. Well, the t- those two in particular, it's not just the roar of the crowd is the fact that you see everyone stand up immediately as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas you didn't necessarily see that with the punk thing because the the camera isn't on the crowd that much really. Um, mm. But the roar of that crowd, I've never heard like that was almost it sounds like, like a fucking cup final, final whistle or something, didn't it? Yeah. Um, hopefully they can keep that up. And, and punks, the thing is though, AEW or especially Punk is very much a realist because he said on that amazing after show clip where he's in the ring with Christian and it's just like, aye, aye. 
wrestling couldn't be more perfect for me in 2021 when you've got like <laughs> punk, punk and Christian in the ring together. Just having like a laugh. Sting, Sting, Sting talking to CM Punk, like setting yeah. up a feud while Tony Schiavone holds the mic. I'm like, am I really saying this? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, Punk says, look, I realise I'm not going to get this kind of pop every time I come out. But like, it's not setting himself up to fail. It's just he probably is going to get that kind of pop every time he comes out. Um, it's the first time that crowd saw him every time. Yeah. Um, like, we uh, would fucking cheer like that if we seen him in the tune or something, because, like, how many fucking years is it since we've seen CM Punk live? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a it's a rare recurrence as well where someone is brought back who literally everyone who is a supporter of a company wants to see. Um, Aye. You know, they've even brought back Austin sometimes or Mankind and people like that, and they haven't quite got the pops that they used to get. And it's law of diminishing returns as well. I mean, God, Goldberg. I think people Goldberg. Have, have had enough of Goldberg now. Um, <laughs> it's a, he's in an, such an impossible position as well, where it's like Goldberg has no allure in the modern day because his character in the 90s is based around being a fucking unstoppable monstrosity who just snaps cunts in half and wins like a fucking 173 matches in a row. Whereas like now, he's, he's like... You've got to lose to people to put them over, but then that kind of spoils the the allure of the Goldberg character. But then when he wins, people are like, oh, for fuck's sake. He's like, look at when he beat Bray Wyatt. It's just like, oh, he's just ruining these new guys. So it's just like, there's no winning with Goldberg. I would just not book him. The difference between Goldberg and Sting is you can tell, and no pun intended, that Sting's all in with AEW and he wants to give it his mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. And he's willing to do things that people may not agree with as well. I mean, I, I look, we've talked about it. I wasn't overly keen on the Orange Cassidy kicking thing, but I can get over it. You know what I mean? I'm not like going to... Uh, I loved it, mate. S- S- no, I can understand. Seeing Sting embrace stuff that's modern and cool as well. Yeah. Like, no, no, you know, no. there's loads of people just like protect their old spot and the old ways and all that sort of shit with Sting's always adaptable as fuck. That is true. And and I, I do understand it. And the fact that he is completely with the... He seems like the type of person who would take a pay cut because he would rather do something he enjoyed. Uh, but he well, look at to, TNA instead of WWE. Well, that is, yeah, that's very true. But the thing is, though, he doesn't also need to take a pay cut because they're going to pay him a shitload of money anyway. Because he's staying. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the Goldberg thing just reeks of contractual obligations where you know he's just going to come back every fucking year to have a title match. And I'm, I'm actually surprised. Like see that, your Survivor Series. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when they become beholden to... This, for me, started when they started naming pay-per-views after gimmick matches. Um, Aye, hell in a cell now. Like. You start rushing... Four-way. Yeah. You start <laughs> rushing... did they have a pay-per-view that's just about matches with four guys at a time? That's yeah. the whole fucking concept for a pay-per-view. Good God. But you start rushing feuds. This, to me, is different than something like uh, say lockdown where every match is a cage match because the the feuds are ongoing whereas these pay-per-views mm, like mm. Hell in the Cell, Elimination Chamber and stuff like that, these are meant to be feud enders because where can you go from there and you do see feuds getting rushed, the Hell in the Cell match means nothing anymore, Elimination it's very hot, they've dug themselves into various holes in terms of where can you go with matches because they've made everything mean nothing anymore and the fact of who can they bring back because they've fucking fired everyone or the people have left and they've found a more viable fun alternative who can and they've not created people to bring back yeah like the 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 great characters to bring back are often from the 90s 
They're, yes. they're all like retired or fucking dead now. Like there isn't anyone to bring back on that statue. Re- retired, dead, or made such a fool out of over and over again on these legend shows um, mm. to the point where no one, no one gives a fuck. Um, and and sadly, with like any names that were around in the eighties who could at least come out and get a pop or whatever. Again, they've either been used so mockingly or they've been no no one's tried to educate their audience on them um you know i, I, don't, I don't get why they don't do a lot more cross the, the, i mean i know it's ridiculous to bring out a goon figure but if they were smart and they want to actually sell some figures get them on raw bring the time. goon out for a funny vignette or something yeah. And I think AEW, and I mean, WCW were great at that as well, across promotion. It helps when you own several franchises, like, but um, we're great across promotion. I mean, WWE kind of owned several franchises. (laughs) I mean, they they did XFL cross promotion. So, yeah, that's the thing. Be careful what you wish for. Hi, dear, dear Lord. Just look at at Killer Cross these days. You get Bobby Heenan announcing World Bodybuilding Federation events and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, I know. So... There's a difference between cross promotion and just ruining other sports. <laughs> there was uh, something I read uh, recently about. Oh, this was like 1992. One of their publicists, because uh, they were in the in the mire because of like the steroid scandal and the pedo scandal and all that kind of stuff. And Aye. and a, a part of getting away from having to pay sports, t- pay taxes and stuff like that, and uh, you know, on sporting events, the more entertainment and stuff. Uh, you'll 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 fucking grit your teeth at this. Um, <laughs> they were like, "Oh yeah, we're more like uh, we're not a sport. We're more like Disney World or a Willie Nelson concert." Oh. Hmm? What? <laughs> no, and Willie Nelson concerts are enjoyable. <laughs> like you're meant to have fun at them, and he gives you what you want. It's nothing like a Willie Nelson <laughs> concert. Uh, even WrestleMania Seven, where Willie Nelson performed, wasn't like a Willie Nelson concert. <laughs> <laughs> I found it bizarre seeing him on there. You know. He's odd. just such a not WWE style celebrity, like stoner outlaw country singer. Like, what the fuck? But and you know we- I mean? wearing all the WWF merch as well. Oh, that's that's it's, so it's, the Bill H- it's the Bill Hicks thing of like, I hate it when celebrities like advertise products, but Willie, I'll let him off because right, the IRS fucked him. <laughs> Do you think they could have done a storyline with IRS? <laughs> Willie Nelson hit him with a guitar like he's Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Not with Trigger for the love of God. Can you imagine if someone broke that legendary iconic guitar? Dear oh. God, I just give myself a shudder even thinking about it. There. IRS takes it because Willie's not paid his taxes, and then you know, <laughs> Repo Man steals it off him. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, considering some of the lead-in to the event we're talking about today, that would have been one of the better things, or certainly not one of the most mental things that happened leading up to some uh, SummerSlam 91, which is what we're talking about today. And we've just passed the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam 91. Um, where does 91 rank for you in terms of like uh, WWF 91 in terms of like favourite year, not favourite year, or even something that you've watched a lot of? Because I know you're not keen on Mania 7 because of the whole Gulf War. Oh, you know, I hate any of those kind of angles like that. Yeah. Um, For me... Uh... If you look at the Great American Bash the months before, like I'm just really grateful that I got into wrestling in 92 and not 91. Because like, if the first events I saw was SummerSlam and that Great American Bash, I'd be like, nah, wrestling's not that great, is it? See, that's the thing. I mean, 
it's something that you want for me, and I, I told you about this, from, and I think you'd agree with this, that it's such a crowd-pleasing event. because oh, it, it definitely is. Very, just because I didn't enjoy it doesn't mean they didn't. The yeah. crowd response is probably the fucking star of the show. It's very, yeah, it's very face-heavy with the winds, and it's very uh, tying up a lot of loose ends, but also starting anew as well, and we'll we'll talk about that as the event goes on. Uh, but like looking at it critically in terms of like actual match quality, I I had nothing against the matches. I mean, especially like Brett and Perfect and stuff like that. No, that was superb. Like, the, the, I don't mean that this is like a shit event or anything. There's just a lot of it I didn't really enjoy. Mm-hmm. But but uh, watching Sheik try to <laughs> encapsulate his seventies uh, and eighties uh, greatness, it was. Uh... <laughs> You know, if seeing, you, an, seeing an Iranian playing a fucking Iraqi soldier or whatever he is is really strange as well. <laughs> um, again, we'll de- we'll definitely get in all of that. So yeah, Summer Sun Night You Want just passed its uh, 30th anniversary. They've uh, just released a Sid Justice for getting his referee gear. I don't funny. think it was to commemorate that. But well, underneath though, it's a two and one. You can take the gear off and then he's got his old four horsemen skyscraper singlet. That's fun. Yeah, um, and they've just done a Colonel Mustafa figure, which I, I'm like, do you, do you put that on sh- in shelves for kids to buy? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think any of those sort of toys are for kids. It's like the goon one and that. But from like a strange kid like my own, it's <laughs> probably like it, but he's a, he's an oddball. I don't think there's a lot of kids will be queuing up to get goon figures or anything. They, they give Sheik a big smiling grin. The only thing that they like need is a little bit of white powder under his nose on it. And <laughs> his <think>. moustache. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, SummerSlam Night 1, like, an interesting fact, uh, it's the only SummerSlam that did a greater buy uh, rate than that year's WrestleMania. And, really? Yeah. To be uh, fair, that mania tanked in terms of like ticket sales and all that, didn't it? It did. I mean, they, they want to say that it was uh, bomb threats and like terrorist threats because they were going to hold it. <laughs> work, uh, work, 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 work. <laughs> which is ironically the Goons theme tune. So, you know, we're tying things up full circle quite nicely there. Um, Rihanna was the Goons theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, WrestleMania was meant to be at the, uh, oh God, what was that big? Outdoor venue, the LA something or other, uh, super massive, enormous dome or something, <laughs> super massive yeah. black hole. <laughs> <laughs> There's a picture of uh, Vince stood on because it's like a bull ring basically, and Vince is stood on the top of it with a big, huge banner advertising WrestleMania uh, seven, and it, and it turns out that that was one of the options for WrestleMania six. This is back when uh, uh, that one didn't tank. No, it's certainly this is back when events or cities would bid for uh there's still day for mania now, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And and I mean the the it quite rightly as well, the money that, that brings in in terms of tourism and uh all the promotions who all come, like all the indie stuff over the weekend and that. It must be great for your city. Yeah, and I mean knowing WWE, I think they probably look down the nose at the fact that they've created this whole festival of wrestling for the weekend. But like, it's it's amazing. <laughs> Stop putting on all this wrestling. It's meant to be WrestleMania. <laughs> it's like Willie Nelson, damn it. <laughs> he hasn't shown up since. On, on no matter how skinned Willie Nelson is, he hasn't shown up on a WWF event. Has he shown up in WCW at all? Don't think so. Wouldn't that there's, be there's just... various country stuff happened to WCW though? Yeah. I remember a pay per view where um, 
what they're called, the Oak Ridge, but the Oak Ridge brothers, the Oak Ridge boys, sorry, played. You know them who did Elvira and like part of the pay per views, like 20 minutes of them playing a gig. Wow, that sounds amazing. I think it was one of the Wrestle Wars. It's just fucking bizarre. <laughs> um, this year's SummerSlam is uh, down on buy rates quite dramatically from the previous uh, two years as well. Because I mean, WWF's in the shit by 91. That Hogan Slaughter feud's fucking dire. They were like, how are you going to sell tickets with that? Well, not even that. Because the war's long over by this point as well. Yeah. Well, not even that, though. It's the fact that, you know, around that time, uh, George Sahorian and the steroid scandal was... Uh, Say the doctor. Start. Yeah, and Hogan had just went on Arsenio Hall and lied that he'd, like, were taking steroids once for an injury or something. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> fucking hell. Um, he's like, oh, I hurt me elbow, so I took steroids for it. It's like, it's not fucking paracetamol, mate. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, and obviously the Iraq war was, I think it obviously left a bad taste in people's mouth, uh, in pe- people's mouths, but some, I wouldn't some... take my kids to watch an event that was being headlined by something like that. No. Um, the thing is by SummerSlam, a lot of the names that were coming in at that point were, it felt like they were more established by that point. And SummerSlam had certainly as a whole, a more solid card because it's not full of, five-minute squash matches and stuff like that just to try and get mm-hmm. everyone on the card. And uh, and the wedding was a draw. It, you know, uh, it can't be... You couldn't get a decisive clean finish to the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's a time limit draw. <laughs> I think if anyone, you know, tries to... Say that the uh, the match made in hell was the, the draw for the event, I think that would be... A lie. That, w- that would be wrong. I mean, WWF won the garden a month before that, and uh, the Brutus Beefcake did a barbershop in the ring. Uh, no accessories, no shop or anything. It's just him and the microphone. And uh, Savage... Was- yeah, <laughs> not the barbershop. That's- not the barbershop. It feels short-changed by that. <laughs> uh, so Savage is the guest. And Savage hadn't even... It's so weird how you do this, like or how they did this. Like He hadn't yet proposed to Elizabeth. But he tells Brutus Beefcake on national telly or in New York that he was going to propose to Elizabeth, and that the it's wedding like she's going to fucking nah now, <laughs> <laughs> and that she was, and they were going to get married at uh, in Madison Square Garden in a month's time. So it you, you can't not sell out when it's a big event and you've got that much star power from top to bottom. Uh, but the wedding was was certainly the draw because I mean now if you try to do a wedding like that, I think people would be especially at the end of an event. Um, you've got to do it on just normal telly and you know? it's got to be funny trash you know like whenever impact do a wedding and it's always super duper disastrous but it's like part of one of their tropes yeah uh it, it just shows you though how invested everyone was in that store like in that partnership really um if you watch wrestling in your seven you see people crying when uh you know savage and Liz <laughs> get back together i love that moment you know <laughs> i that that's i told you before it's one of my favorite wrestlemania matches ever that it, it, it is amazing. I love it, though, when they're getting back together and uh, people are crying in the audience and Bobby Heenan's just taking the piss out of all of it. <laughs> it's like some woman's, cry- what, some woman's crying. It's like, I shouldn't be crying if her shoes weren't too small for her and stuff. <laughs> um, so it's yes. weird because their marriage was breaking up in reality. Like, they're, div- they're divorced for real by the next year. Yeah, I always find it uh, quite telling when... You know, they're on camera together, but they're saying stuff to or Savage is whispering in Liz's ear and it's not on the mic. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I know, what are you saying right now? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yes, SummerSlam, SummerSlam 91, Madison Square Garden, the second of three SummerSlams that would take place in Madison Square Garden. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, 88, the first one, 91, and then 98. Um, it just felt like it was time to... It almost felt like a hot shot event in some ways because there's lots of gimmick matches. There's lots of blow-off feuds and stuff like that. And uh, they really put everything into SummerSlam, probably knowing... I find that with SummerSlam that when an event does bad previously, they'll go all out for SummerSlam in ways that they don't actually do for even WrestleMania. They'll do the gimmick matches and um, they'll kind of hotshot it a little bit. Look at SummerSlam 95. They made that ladder match basically as a result of King of the Ring sucking so fucking badly. Um, Really? So it's just a reactionary booking move? Oh, yeah. I mean, they've never confirmed this, but the fact that it was meant to be Sean versus Sid uh, you know, and then they, they quickly changed. In a ladder it. match? No, no, just in a normal See, match. Fucking hell, don't make Sid go up a ladder. Look what happened <laughs> when he came off a turnbuckle. <laughs> yeah, it was just going to be a normal match, but they had to scramble a little bit as well because Jarrett was going to face Rhodey and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it ended up being a better card for the changes. But if you look, I mean, look at uh, that ECW December to December. Did you ever see that? <laughs> no, but you told me oh. it's fucking so bad. Yeah, legendary. I, um, I just knew I wouldn't like it, so I didn't watch it. <laughs> so, well, as a result of that, the, the next event, which was just a general, it was called Armageddon. I mean, they had an Inferno match, they had a four-way ladder match, and that's when Joey Mercury busts his face. Um, I've seen that event. Yeah. Fuck me, I shit myself on that ladder hit Mercury in the face. Like It's so horrible. That was horrendous, wasn't it? So yeah, But it, it just shows you, though, that they, they will react to knowing that they have to go all out Next time, uh, you know, the In Your House 4 compared to Survivor Series 95 and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, 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 there's definitely... It's commendable, though. Yeah, it's definitely... But there's definitely a pattern there. And I think this mm. SummerSlam is... It, it just... It's such a fun show for me. Uh, like, what are your... Because you said that you didn't like it, but is that because the, the matches weren't as good or is it because there was too much nonsense going on backstage or... Wait, I, I don't mind the nonsense backstage and you've given me context to help. Like the thing I didn't like at first, I was like, holy shit, I've just seen 12 vignettes in a row. What the fuck's going on here? Right. <laughs> and then you said like there was an intermission there. I was like, all oh, right, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's just like so many of them had Sean Mooney in as well. I was thinking I'd rather just look at a sign that said intermission <laughs> rather than keep on <laughs> Sean Mooney talking to people backstage. Like my least favorite stick man ever. They did used to and, do uh, that. They just put a clock and put the camera on the crowd uh, for five minutes. I would have probably preferred that to yeah. some of those bits. And it's like I said, yeah, like it's it's getting on a uh, winning horse, but then riding it to death is like it's so good after the the match that Mountie and Bossman have mm-hmm. when he's like getting dragged down the corridor and he's going, You're hurting me, you're hurting me. It's fucking hilarious. But then I didn't need seven more vignettes of him going to the jail afterwards. It ended in him being threatened with rape. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> What the fuck? I was like, you've really, really ridden this to death. Like, I just don't know, pun intended. I just don't fucking care by the end. You know what I mean? Well, it just showed where he got thrown in the car and that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe at the end, show him in jail being like, let me out. I would have thought it was funny, but I just didn't need that much of it. And, and the thing is, though, like, WWE never really go that far with certain things when you're like, oh, they could have went much further with that. And then when they do with something, it's like, fuck off. Way too far. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not on board with a pay-per-view being headlined by a 20-minute fake wedding either. Like, 
you it's amazing that that's the draw. It shows you how. Also, like, it doesn't help that I thought the main event that wasn't a wedding sucked. Like, there's probably better wrestling right. in the actual wedding than there was in the the slaughter Hogan warrior whatever the fuck three on two match thing. Well, did did you not feel though that you like in objectively, even without the the main main event, the the Hogan warrior match. Did you feel that you'd got your money's worth if you were buying a pay-per-view even before the wedding and stuff? Or Not for me, no. I think the live audience probably did. It yeah. was like, it's a fantastic example of the audience being given what they want, but most of the matches just aren't very good either. So it's like, it's that sort of thing where if you're invested and you've watched all of the TV at the time, or you've been going to the shows, you're like, you're well into it. And so you care about the outcome of the matches. But for me, going into it, knowing very little of the story, I was just like, there's lots of these are just matches that aren't very good. Oh, see, this is where... <laughs> no, gonna... but you're into, the sto- you're into the story of them, but like, no, they're, there's, they're not technical masterpieces on this. For no, sure. no, that's, you know, and I think that that could be said of a lot of early WWF pay-per-views that you get one or two technical masterpieces per card. Yeah, you always get the talking good match with Bret Hart in it. <laughs> the talking, you know, wrestling match on a wrestling pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> you know. So that is very good, that though. And, and so what we're going to do is, uh, you know, I, there's no point of us going through this in order because there are so many segments. Uh, yeah. You know, so in terms of the, you know, we'll we'll talk about like the the uh, boss man mounty stuff. Let's let's do that now because, uh, you know, and we we'll, we can talk about the match. Oh no, well, should we start? We should start in order, in some kind of order, shouldn't we? <laughs> It'll help my poor brain. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Do it in order. Well, what's interesting, I'd, I'd only ever seen the Coliseum video for years, and it starts off with something that you don't get on the network version, and it's Lord Alfred Hayes interviewing Randy Savage, and he's he's actually wearing more on that pre-recorded interview than he is on the live event when he's taking the phone calls. So, like, it's, it's pretty it, daft. <laughs> it's a bit all over the place. Like, so, um, Gino... Uh, Alfred Hayes is kind of getting a last minute word with him and Savage is nervous and all that kind of thing. He puts the hat on uh, Alfred Hayes and that. And then it cuts to one of the most in- unintentionally hilarious openings to a pay-per-view ever with Vince <laughs> in full, full Vince mode. <laughs> he really is, isn't he? Summertime <laughs> <laughs> um, and the living is anything but easy. <laughs> I would love to see, there must be camera footage of him somewhere, just re- like Stephen Toast reading the script. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> yes! <laughs> just someone behind the, the window just taking the piss. Say nuptials turn to napalm. Go on. Say, 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 <laughs> just, yeah. Yes, like, I can hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> that nuptials to napalm. I was like, napalm? You're even doing the Gulf War. Why are we in Vietnam now? <laughs> all the same it's all the same um, <laughs> it's all war <laughs> um do you do you ever think because vince did a fair few of these would you have gotten someone else to do them <laughs> basically or do you think it works with like ridiculous I, I, I liked how stupid it was like, <laughs> what was the one we watched the other day where the, the beginning's fucking brilliant it was that in your house wasn't it i was like christ vince that was actually really good yes well, there's like I said, there's two different types of Vinces. There's the rah, Vince and there's the Vince. Yeah, there is. Um, and- you used to get both in the phrase Monday Night More. Yeah. He's like, it's live, Ultron Center, it's Monday Night. <laughs> <laughs> like someone just pressed the growl button and he just changes halfway through. Uh, so, yeah, the uh, 
they, they go through, I mean, they're using all of the technology of 1991 at this point. We've got blue screens, we've got all the graphics. And, <laughs> the photos uh, and that. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the second... The quality theme song. Quality well, theme song. Still farty fucking trumpets to spoil it like they always do, but the... It's proper cool. That actually feels more like a WCW incidental song because it's all rocky in that. Yeah, it, it's the most rocky because they first used that at SummerSlam 1990 and they used it all the way until 1994. And should still be using it now. They should still be using it now. And the, you're right, though. It, like it starts with that rocky theme and then it goes, dun, 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 Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, dun. and now it's WWE again. <laughs> <laughs> I was. <laughs> I'm like, you had to ruin that riff, didn't you? <laughs> well, that that's the famous Vince quote, apparently, just more horns. <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> that's some good bugle. <laughs> and the thing is, it's not like it's single note. It's not just one trumpet. It's like trumpets in triads doing chords. <laughs> so, and, and they're like, not, it's in the MIDI ones by the sounds of it as well. Just Jim Johnson, just like with a learn how to play a piano book just like hitting these or getting some child to just mash random keys could 79 <laughs> trumpet and then he just starts playing the keyboard Vince could get a real uh, trumpet player and he's like no this is cutting edge <laughs> it's technology Casio number 79 that's how they got the Orient Express theme tune wasn't it the it's like number 24 that on the rule where everything wrestling related in the 90s if you were from anywhere like Japan or China or anything you basically had that music <laughs> any company you're in or anything it was always like do, 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 do. I'm like for fuck's sake man when are you going to realise that this is just getting racist now I love that it starts with a gong as well you know you got to start with a gong that. Yeah. yeah just go with maximum I'm surprised nobody shouts Banzai <laughs> so yeah we'll, we'll start with that amazing intro so the, the talk of he's not even I trying to forgot be... to get dressed as well hasn't he <laughs> he's not even trying to be romantic when he's talking about he's like that match made in heaven two people in love you know, <laughs> you know like he's singing for creator or something <laughs> <laughs> and then talks about nuptials turned to napalm for that match made in hell and um <laughs> On the VH- it was hell that much to be fair. He, was. he was right there. Like <laughs> when uh, on the Coliseum video, they do a thing that I really don't like, uh, where they cut out the actual introduction of the announcers introducing the event, and they just have a voiceover of Monsoon or whoever going, "Welcome to Coliseum Video's release of SummerSlam '91," and then that cuts straight to uh, Steamboat's entrance. At that point. Oh, so you don't get half-dressed piper? No, you don't get the wild crowd or anything. And it it was just seeing it for the first time on the network. I was just like, this is great. Why did you cut? Like, I understand you want to make it special for the video, but don't cut out like an amazing intro of just... Yeah, give more. Don't take away. Yeah. And and, and it wouldn't have neatened up the event or anything like that. It just, it it does take away a lot of the energy, I think, going straight into the Steamboat uh, intro. And, but luckily, you know, so we'll start with <laughs> Power and Glory. What are they done to fucking Ricky Steamboat there? Mason <laughs> laughed his arse off. He's never seen Ricky in a WWE before. Like, all he knows of Ricky Steamboat is like that Beach Blast kind of era. So did you, did you immediately get that it was Steamboat as well? Or? <laughs> no, he didn't. He was just laughing his arse off, being like, why is he in a corner? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. They didn't call him Ricky the Dragons. He was just the dragon at this point. Who were the fooling? Who were they fucking fooling? Like, Steamboat said that 
I, I think he's sold on it because Vince is good at selling you on ridiculous shite. And um, <laughs> it must be a Vince thing because Russo was as well. Yeah. Uh, so Steamboat, he said that 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 whole garb was just ridiculous to wear, and it's in boiling. Oh, look at. <laughs> well, it's in the boiling hot arena as well, and then he's coming to the ring with a mouthful of fucking kerosene, trying not to fucking swallow it. Poor bastards. <laughs> I was really worried Bulldog was going to come out as a pure puppy gimp or something for the next one after I'd seen how, how the dressed steamboat. It's probably a good job that they came because bless Kerry Von Eric, but he's exactly the type of person who would have like patted steamboat on the back accidentally and then he would have swallowed the entire fucking load of <laughs> big clap on the back <laughs> so you've got former nwa world heavyweight champion intercontinental champion ricky steamboat coming out uh dressed like that as an iguana <laughs> <laughs> he brought the wings with him i think to wcw didn't he yeah or was he that a different gear yeah he was like fuck the rest of it i'll just take this little yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't mind a little flourish. He just doesn't have to come out dressed like the fucking Chewitz dinosaur thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, he had scales on his tights as well. Did you notice that? Oh, fucking hell. No, I didn't. He had scales on his tights and then he had, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, but on the back of his boots and on his wrists, there were kind of like spikes, like dragon spikes, I guess. Um, yeah, I saw the little spine things on the braces. I said, what are they doing? Like, I bet at first, like, power and glow lord. When they were in the ring to start, they're being like, oh, we don't get an entrance. We're getting then the same Ricky Steamboat coming out looking at that. They're like, never mind. You know it's the end when you've got a job as entrance, like, don't you? Like, they were never, <laughs> don't you? never given music at all. Power and Glory actually got together as faces, and they, they had a few matches as faces before they turned heel, which no one remembers. And I've I think, only seen them as a heel, like. Oh, yeah, no one, no one would remember the i think it was only a couple of appearances just to establish them as a team and then they went with slick but they did have a theme tune but it was a very face centric theme tune and then they went from that to no music like they must have had that talk like at that point unless you're like the giant having no music's just bad i think yeah and it's because then you as we've talked about you don't see the entrances because either they'll cut to an interview or video package or they'll be in the ring first they've had to come to the ring first and then have howard finkel count down to the event starting so they're just so embarrassing isn't it <laughs> like people don't remember wrestlemania 3 when arifa's all that start for mania 3 uh bob orton don Morocco, and mr fujio just stood in the corner like they didn't even think to have Rocco and Orton are fucking legends as well. Yeah. Um, so that I mean can't argue about the star power of this uh not that I'm saying you would, but like you know <laughs> No, no, I, I thought it was like a house show style crowd pleaser to get them going, just throwing in that many names together. I'm imagining there was no reason for this much. No, well but Bulldog and Warlord were kind of feuding because they were two big lads. Um but that, that was basically it, because, I mean, Steamboat wasn't around long enough. He was going to be on one of the Survivor Series teams, but he was gone by then. Uh, I'm not surprised after he had to be walking around with Petrol and he's got dressed up like a fucking lizard. Well, the team he was going to be on with was like Duggan Slaughter and uh, El Matador, who also got replaced. Oh, no, no, it was someone else on oh, Nightheart. And then they got what replaced. a weird team. Yeah, it, it was the, it, I don't want to say jobber, but it was just the kind of like, let's just hoy all these out. Any old the, thing. Because uh, Nighthawk got replaced, Big Bully Busick got replaced on the heel team, and it was a fucking mess. But like, fucking hell. Steamboat was gone by that point. But what I love is Steam, the dragon comes out, and then followed by Texas Tornado, and they actually go out of the way to say former Intercontinental Champion. It's like, well, who's this fucking 
steamboat. It's a wise steamboat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know they don't want to mention like world class or NWA or anything like that. But I mean, how hey, at least mention things they've done in your own company. Yeah, it's it's ins- especially in the garden. I mean, the the dragon gimmick probably would have died if it wasn't on someone so recognizable in front of such a rabid crowd. And yeah, the one thing I'd say about because it's 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 a cool entrance when the lights go off and he breathes the fire and stuff like that, and then at the very least. He's not acting like a dragon. <laughs> like you know a man I mean? or having to be a cow. That's that is why you know with a, a you know a fair few of these gimmicks, I'll forgive them because all of the gimmick is in the entrance, and then you kind of just I mean he's wearing the daft what you mean. gear and stuff like that. But uh, and then Bulldog rounds out the team, and arguably by that point, because Tornado's on the wane. And Steamboat's kind of wondering what the fuck he's doing with his life at this point. Uh, <laughs> Bulldog's definitely the the star, but funnily enough, because we're not going to go through this like move by move. Uh, Steamboat gets the pin, so I'm glad he got that. Um, but they didn't even play his music for the because his music was shite. <laughs> and the commentators didn't give a shit either. They talked about every match except this one during this this match. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <sighs> When a, when a match has got no storyline going on, I guess, you know, and let's face it. You could it, just call what you're seeing. Yeah, but you, <laughs> I know it's said, a novel concept. No, but you've said yourself as well. I mean, you know, and I love Monsoon, love Heenan, love Piper, but they're not the best play-by-play men. Uh, but oh, yeah, inc- Monsoon gets, like, every move wrong that he mentions on this entire event. Like, he's like, what a clothesline! And someone, like, gets chopped and stuff like that. You're like, <laughs> how are you, man? And he's on, like, proper complicated, like, Japanese moves and that. It's a fucking chop. Yeah, there's a lot going on on this first match. I mean, it's it's the crowd a while for it. Uh, Action packed match, but then you've got three loud daft lads at ringside just shouting at you. <laughs> I like all of them individually, but like <laughs> it's not the right grouping together at all. Also, why the fuck does Piper keep calling him and boobs all the way through? That got annoying. Yeah, just I mean, he, he, God, I, I didn't mind that quite as much because it was there to agitate him. I didn't but... then, but by the end of the show, and he still like, what you say, boobs? And you're like, fuck's sake, man! He went through a period of calling Gorilla Gur, and, and I never <laughs> understood it. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, but should have Danhausen it and just got them a bit wrong and been like calling them chimp or something like that. <laughs> so yeah, what what are your thoughts on on this match? Any particular there highlights? <laughs> the highlight for me is there's a point where the warlord's in the corner and Steamboat mounts him to do that old 10 punch on the heat thing. Yeah. <laughs> like Warlord reverses it without using his hands. So his hands are behind his back and he basically just like humps a thrust at Steamboat and Steamboat <laughs> flies across the ring till he's nearly in the other corner. I'm like, oh, luckily Warlord has power cock ready to escape from that move <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> but uh, um, other than that, so there's, there's not a lot to really cover. It, it was fun. It showed a lot of people a lot. It showed a lot of stars at the start. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. And funnily, not not the first match of the night. The the dark match was uh, Coco Beware against Kato from the Orient Express. Um, good way to okay. warm, warm up the crowd. Um, <laughs> Hi, exactly. What the hell? <laughs> uh, so yeah, this match went uh, about ten minutes. Um, and it's just think, an enjoyable bit of note, really, isn't it? It was an enjoyable bit of note. <laughs> I think that's about as complimentary as we get for, you know, things that don't matter that had no meaning to them. It was <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah. Uh, what it is, it's good for what it is. One thing I do like about certainly the first half of this event is that it moves along at a really swift pace. I mean, I, I'm sh- kind of shocked that the Intercontinental Title match was second. 
but this was around the time when they were kind of playing about with it felt like they were playing about with four matches a lot more. It, it wasn't Intercontinental Tag Team World Title match. Um, and I, I don't blame them at all for having this match in the card where it was. Um, no, no, it, it, it's got opener all over it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, if it was a house show, it would have been, it would have been either the match that set the tone for the night or would have been the match that closed the night because how do you follow it? Uh, but this, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it, it definitely came out like it, well placed in the card. And like I say, it keeps it move. It, it kind of, in some ways, makes the show very top heavy. Like I always found that uh, to be the like sort of front end heavy. It was, I found that to be the case for WrestleMania 8 as well. Uh, there was a lot of like really huge matches to start with, and then you peak at your main event, like semi main event, and then but Sid Hogan at the end. Sid Hogan at the end, but yeah, it's had, long like, peaked before that, like yeah. Um, so Bret Hart, Mister Perfect. Uh, you get a little promo on the network before that as well. Where it's um, Perfect backstage with the coach. Yes. Who's that? What, what a strange gimmick to put on an NWA Hall of Famer, <laughs> <Just something laughs> dressed as a coach who blows a whistle all the time. Don't don't even acknowledge who he is or anything. If you only watched pay per views at that time, which I mean, as a kid, that's all I had. Yeah, since it's coach, all I saw back then. The coach has no context to him. I mean, he's in the annual that came out, but he wasn't around long. He he brought the Beverly Brothers into the WWF, which no one remembers. Um, and Heenan must. I mean, Heenan obviously retired as a manager somewhere between Mania and SummerSlam, and then the coach took over Mister. Per- it's a very weird thing that this kind of one-off manager did actually manage an Intercontinental Champion on one of the greatest matches potential you know of all time uh and it's just such a forgotten about thing that john tolos uh was was in mr perfect's corner someone who can talk as well so obviously yeah i know so he was the golden greek wasn't he <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and here the, he is with fucking sunglasses on and a whistle in his mouth <laughs> for years i thought it was jerry briscoe you know <laughs> i can see it yeah it, not out of the question is it um so Mr. Perfect, who, I mean, he's coming into this event with, he's fucked at this point. His back is completely gone. Um, and His he, penis looks enormous in that singlet, though. Jesus Christ. I was sat near the telly because I was getting something off the stand and it nearly put me out. <laughs> uh, so, Mr. Perfect, I mean, it, it could be, I mean, because Piper, funnily enough, keeps pointing out how much of a fucking gut Mr. Perfect's got. So I think at this point, he's just like, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> this is me last match. Right. All and his Mr. girls are cans. <laughs> Mr. Perfect can have a good match, you know, by himself, basically. So, you know, it's un- understandable. I think he chose Bret Hart for this because Bret had just come off his Hart Foundation tag team title run. And uh, it obviously there was a plan for him to then become a single star because, you know, the, the, you always hear stories about like he would get more fan mail than just about anyone else. And it was largely from women who loved him. And oh, perfect. I think. That, <laughs> no, yeah, Bret Hart. Um, and oh, Hart. Yeah, yeah, because that, that's what started the singles run. Is that you know his popularity was huge, and and they were selling sunglasses and stuff like that. And also, I didn't realize he was meant to be like Hart. He has a kind of big face. <laughs> well, can you not see it? Yeah. Nah, I can't really see it there. I would have thought Perfect was better looking, apart from his like sheep hair. Did you ever see the uh, the on the WWE website the? Uh, blueprints of like early attire ideas 
for some of the wrestlers. Uh, some of Bret Hart as a single run, his early ideas, they were, he was going to be like a Lothario and he was going to have tied back hair. And he had this like kind of the singlet that you would wear over the tights, but it was going to be a fong running through the back. Um, I was I was all on board with it until that part. I was going to say, oh, they should have given this to Terry Taylor. And then he like got to the fong. I was like, never mind. Maybe it's better to be a chicken. <laughs> there was lots of lace and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they, uh, you know, I, I they do know he's meant to be a stud and not just like a, a woman. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I, I would love to have been in the room for those conversations and Brett with that fucking drive. Can you Canadian. fucking imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have seen that. <laughs> so um, this match, because they use uh, the end of it on a Coliseum video much later on, and I'd only seen that clip for like a long time and uh, didn't get a chance to really appreciate how good this match was. What I love about it is it really, it's 18 minutes long, but it's not fast paced all the way through. It really takes its time. Because when Mr. Perfect's in control, he really slows things down. And, um, you know, the last five minutes, that's when you get your near falls and you get your submission reversals and all that kind of stuff. But I'd, I'd, uh, so much good stuff has been said about this uh, match. It's not even Brett's favourite match he had with Perfect. He said it was a, like an untelevised. The King of the Ring one's probably better, isn't it? I, it's not that this one's bad at all. I'm no. not taking away from this. Like anyone listening today, even if you don't watch the rest of the event, like you owe it to yourself to see that one. It, it, it's hard to say for me. I, I like the idea, I like the dynamic of face versus heel a bit more because yeah, there were too. both faces back then uh, for King of the Ring. Uh, yeah, Brett said his favourite match with Perfect was somewhere in Alaska and no one ever saw it like on TV or anything. Uh, but... You... I definitely did a better one, just none of you have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Should have seen the size of that fish I caught, you know. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking it's a fish and tail. Like... <laughs> so, yeah, Perfect is is back, is completely destroyed, and he's probably on a few uh, substances at this point, but you can't tell. Uh, like you really he's, can't. He's selling so good. Well, I was going to say, is it selling when he gets Irish whipped? <laughs> or is it like him can fuck me? Can this I, went, be I, I love when they're both so tired and they like fall off the top rope and that. I thought that was so good. Yeah. It, it's unlike, I mean, I'm trying to think of like an Intercontinental title match before, because Warrior had it for a long time and Rude was great. But I mean, it's Intercontinental title matches were against Warrior. I think in terms of like, if you want to say like solid workhorse Intercontinental title match, Probably the second steamboat match, yeah. Yeah. Uh, before that, um, this was unlike anything, uh, and I think it really did set a standard for WWF because they can't not have been looking at no matter how much shit WCW was in creatively. When you look at that talent roster and some of the matches that they would effortlessly have with people like Pillman or Barry Windham or fucking Dustin mm. or anyone, yeah. I think there was probably a bit of like we have to fucking up our game if we you know um I think it's it, a bit of giving everyone a bit of what they want like yeah. that one's the kind of match aimed more at people like me you know what I mean mm-hmm. No I get it um the <laughs> Mr Perfect this is when he he just cut his hair and that was not a good look unless it, when it he tied, <laughs> when he tied it back it was good but when he yeah Especially when he pulled the single, because Piper's just having a field day, just calling him fat and saying his hair looks like a witch and stuff like that. And <laughs> I know. 
also, why does Piper keep saying Bret Hart's career's on the line and he's got everything to lose? I'm like, was it? Nobody else is mentioning that. Yeah, I think that was just Piper getting carried away with himself. <laughs> just talking shit, right? Just, okay. just <laughs> makes sense. Shite. So yeah, Bret Hart, he he beats uh Perfect with the it was it was unique way to go because I've seen Perfect do that whole why does the he drops the leg and the gut and then backflips back onto yeah. his feet. Um, so he does it the second time and then Brett turns him into the shopshire and he resubmits pretty quickly, but you see him like shake his head, he doesn't nod his head. Um, so I'm wondering if that was kind of like a, a decision made beforehand, like just ring the bell straight away because it makes the sharpshooter look strong. Because that was, I the, like that, you know, yeah. I, I yeah, and hate when people are in holds for ages and ages and don't tap out because it just stretches <laughs> me suspension of disbelief. Yeah, has Flair ever beat someone with the figure four? <laughs> Not on a pay-per-view, I don't think. And usually when I saw Flair win with the figure four, it was a pin. Right. It's just so weird. You'd like do a figure four and then people either pass out from the pain. That's a Mid-South special as well, by the way. Like everyone does a figure four. Nobody taps out. Everybody passes out. Right. But like... Flair would just randomly start getting like pins counted while he's doing the figure four. You're like, you're holding his legs with your legs. Well, who's covering his shoulders here? <laughs> it's a good move to be in for a long time though, because you see both people's faces. Um, it is good for drama. Uh, and you get the face, you know, you can kind of like start waving his hands to get the crowd into it and stuff like that. But when you think of like trying to suspend your disbelief, when you actually think about it, like it's a, it's a bit ridiculous uh, that anyone, anyone who's would... been put in any kind of hold before knows that you're not going to last that long. You know what I mean? <laughs> so one of my favorite bits of the uh, entire match was post-match when uh, the Brett has the celebration and goes up to, because this is the first time Stu and Helen have really been on WWF telly. And you see, was it? I wanted to ask that because they seem to fucking love involving the hearts. Yeah. Uh, well, you see Bruce as well. Because the thing is that Jesse Ventura in particular would always mention that Brett, came from Stu's dungeon and stuff like that. And Stu always took it as a mark of, like, he was always proud when he'd get mentioned on the telly uh, that, you know, that he was someone important in wrestling. Uh, But what I love is (laughs) Alfred Hayes is interviewing, uh, or he's like, this has been a great match. This made me laugh as well. Yeah, fucking... (laughs) So you see the parents behind him and you see Brett coming up hugging Stu and he's like, so Stu, I've got to get your thoughts on this match. And Stu's like, Rrr. and it's like, as you can see, Stu's lost the match. <laughs> and Stu's just fucking... He doesn't Easter. give him a chance to speak. And Stu's still talking. Like, he doesn't fucking realise that. Just rambling away and the mic's not there. I that had me pass off him. I love rudely unaware Alfred Hayes. Like, I think that could have been just a gimmick going forward. Just like, <laughs> just not just aware. Just mental Alfred Hayes, like a Bob Backlund type thing. <laughs> that was, that was really funny. Um, but yeah, so There's I mean, a few great parts in that match as well, if I can circle back. To absolutely. Because yeah. I did love this match. The knee drop that Bret Hart does off the top rope. That's one of the best-looking knee drops ever. I usually hate that move because you just see someone walk over and then kneel next to someone's head about eight inches away, and then they go, oh, but like this looked like he just came off the top and smashed his face in. It was really good. Um, found it a bit odd when Mr. Perfect ended up stripped down to his kegs, though. I'm just so used to seeing him in a singlet. Yeah. That where, where he's got, like, the perm and all that, and he's in the black trunks. It's like some kind of... Keto diet, Yankee, Dusty Rhodes. It's a very odd visual. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for them to do a figure of that, like with removable singlet and stuff. Um, 
they'll, they'll do it eventually. They'll do it eventually. Um, and I'll buy ten. Um, <laughs> had many people kicked out of the perfect plex. Hogan did, and he would get up straight away. <laughs> yeah. Um, Warrior did, but he wouldn't actually get up straight away. Um, but other than that, I don't think I'd, I haven't seen anyone else kick out the perfect plex. I thought they could have made more fuss about that on the commentary. Mm-hmm. Like that seemed like it should have been a really big moment. And that's definitely what perfect and heart seemed like they were going for. Yeah. I think it was just a little bit downplayed. <laughs> There's a bit where he's in perfect in the corner and heart hits him in the face or something. And um, Gorilla goes, Oh, he could, he could have given the climax blue right there. I was like, oh, please rephrase that. <laughs> yeah. I think he should have picked him up on his shade commentary a bit more. I think that would have been quite fun. He definitely should have. It would have made it funner. <laughs> Um, so next we've got uh, fucking Hogan propaganda next. Oh, like, the this advert pops yeah. up loads a pay per view of a, just a video of Hulk Hogan lying about his career. <laughs> fucking hell, is that really on pay per view? I that is one of those things, uh, where I hadn't seen because it's not on the Coliseum video, uh, you don't see an advert for it, and I'd vaguely heard of this. I've never seen it. And you think they would put it on the network if they're putting all pay-per-views up there. But yeah, it's basically... It probably should. <laughs> it's it's clips of his career with an interview interspersed where it's probably propaganda. Here's me, no selling. I'll tell you some lies about it. Here's another match <laughs> for uh, no sell. Here's some more lies. Did you know Andrea was nine foot ten by this point and he's 675,000 pounds? Shut up. Fuck off, Terry. Just fuck off. I would love to know the buy rates for it. Um, I mean... <laughs> Two... <laughs> just two, yeah. Well, this was the yes of Bourbon Commando came out, so he was obviously on a roll. Um, <laughs> Fucking of making terrible shit that people don't watch. <laughs> so up next, uh, we have an interview which has spawned one of my favourite memes of all time, uh, where it's a picture of the Bushwhackers and Andre the Giant. With Gene Most Oakland. incoherent fucking interview of all time, those three. <laughs> and it's like, this is the kind of news report that you go to when you go to, like, the hills and fucking... Like, <laughs> Aye. <laughs> you get the locals <laughs> telling you about what's happened. I <laughs> definitely. Oh, They're I'm, all doing the Amarillo walk all the way through the interview as well, like the Peter K. You can always tell that Gene Oakland is like dying not to piss himself on these Bushwhacker interviews. Like, it would be so hard not to. <laughs> imagine that being Andre's last American appearance. <laughs> He does a WCW one. No, for, well, okay, he? for WWF, uh, his last American appearance. But uh, sad seeing him on those crutches, mind. Yeah, he was. Um, he was going to be. At, he was meant to wrestle at the Royal Rumble that year, and I have a feeling he probably would have won it. Because how do you eliminate face Andre the Giant? You know what I mean. Even if yeah. it's just him bowing out, uh, but he legit injured his leg, and uh, they ended up doing a storyline where Andre was. Oh, a lot of managers were trying to, you know, like the Bobby Roode thing in TNA. They were trying to, yeah, you know, get his services and, you know, attach themselves to him. So he turns down Heenan, turns down Sleek. There's a clip of Sherry where he gets Sherry over his knee and lifts her skirt and starts smacking her across across the arse and that. And uh... I might look that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and then Jimmy Hart comes out and says, oh, yeah, I've definitely got Andre the Giant. Um, and then Andre comes out and calls him a liar. And then the clip that you've seen where Earthquake goes after Andre's leg, with the megaphone, and I think that was Aye. really the best way to allow him to have crutches 
on TV. Yeah. Um, Nurse Quick's a big motherfucker, like for if someone's gonna write off a giant. Yeah. And and during and legitimate that, as well with his sporting background. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And and during that time, because uh, I think a lot of people think that Tugboat turned on Hulk Hogan when he turned heel, but he didn't. He turned on the Bushwhackers in the six-man tag. Um and I was under the impression it was on Hogan as well. Yeah, he eliminates Hogan at the uh, Saturday night main event battle royal. Uh, before Mania 7, and for some reason, Tugboat, considering he'd been used really well, is not on Mania 7 at all. Uh, but he actually turns on the Bushwhackers, and that was really why this match happened. Because people think that this is just a match for the sake of it, or because of the Earthquake Andre feud, but it was a kind of a neat way to tie things together. Uh, and it is what it is. I mean, because the thing is, when when Gorilla Monsoon, the face announcer, even says, I don't think the Bushwhackers are going to win this. <laughs> uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Nice Guy, who's always optimistic. <laughs> they, they do a mean thing, though, the Bushwhackers. Like, don't get us wrong, this match fucking sucked. But the Bushwhackers both get Earthquake and a headlock each, and they use him to do the battering ram on, <laughs> on Typhoon. I thought that was class. And it's a shame the match didn't stop there. <laughs> that is fun. But let's face it, apart from a bit of offense from the Bushwhackers, they're not meant to beat the natural disasters and you know and and this serves a purpose that you know it begins planting the seeds for the the legion of doom feud uh because disasters i mean i think we can you know basically just sum it up disasters just destroy the bushwhackers in about five minutes and it still uh, feels like forever it does feel like a long match and then they go out and they're about to attack andre and uh, lod come out and basically save the day but as earthquake's trying to get away andre just fucking clubs earthquake with his crutch <laughs> like proper clubs him with it <laughs> you see you know that look because you know what earthquake's eyes are like when he's pissed off and he's like oh man like the approach- <laughs> <laughs> i love john tante you know <laughs> oh he is amazing um so during that match this is where bobby healing gets up and walks out he's just like i've heard the whole Hogan's in his locker room so i'm gonna fucking play put up a shot up and I'm going to challenge Hulk Hogan on behalf of Ric Flair and I'm going to show him the real world title which he had just debuted on TV the belt made it onto TV before Flair was signed with the company he wasn't even signed he FedExed it didn't he yeah he wasn't even signed by the time of SummerSlam Um, and the mention I didn't know that (laughs) mentioned in his name I think if they could have gotten for SummerSlam they would have Um, yeah otherwise they wouldn't be talking about him Oh yeah, I mean, imagine Flair debuting in the Garden like that would have been hell. that would have been your highlight. Would have been like the AJ Styles Rumble debut, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's like where do you put him? Unless he costs Hogan and Warrior the match, but they had to blow off that slaughter feud eventually. Um, yeah, because it was just busy blowing. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of NWA legends on this show, it mm-hmm. was really strange. Well, maybe legends isn't the right word, but it was strange <laughs> to me to see like. The Legion of Doom, like the Road Warriors, basically, and the Sheep Herders standing outside the <laughs> ring in a really child-friendly presentation compared to the fucking monsters that both teams have been. Yeah. No, that is... <laughs> it's kind of weird, isn't it? Like, especially, yeah, later when they'd even make LOD more child-friendly and put the dummy with him. Uh, hey, fucking dummy. Hawk had... Uh, before SummerSlam, he had been suspended. One of the few times he had been suspended for, you know, uh, for being Hawk. Going in the naughty cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But the you know obviously you bring in LOD, you push them to the moon. You're not going to not put the tag team titles on them. Uh, but uh, so Heenan uh, goes backstage, and I love this because Heenan's so fucking good. You don't see Hogan. Heenan knocks on the door, and he's like, on behalf of Brick Flair, I would like to challenge you. And uh, Hogan just slams the door into him. It's a and- fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and he- embarrassed Heenan is just brilliant. Um, it's such a good little segment, but the fake laughter that uh, Piper and Monsoon uh, <laughs> they really hammer it into the ground to the point where it's just not funny anymore. <laughs> it's like the thing with the jail, isn't it? Like, oh, this is really funny. Stop now, please. Okay, it's not funny now. <laughs> now, on um, on the Coliseum video, they go straight from that to uh, I believe the DBRC Sherry interview uh, to build up. They did on the network as well, I think. Well, I, th- I think before that, did they not go to Savage on the phone? Was the- that at this bit? I don't know that happened on the show, but I can't remember if it was yet. Not that it matters what orders happens in no, so true. many segments. That's true. And I'm not going to, again, go for every segment, but I think it's worth mentioning anything that was on the Coliseum that wasn't on the... Uh, on the, on the network. And, and, vice, and vice versa as well, because the, the cut-off... Piper's commentary so abruptly because they then go into talking about the superstar line uh, with Savage on the phone. And uh, the mm-hmm. whereas with this, the, the cut straight to straight to DBRC, but uh, Savage is not on the phone to anyone. <laughs> he's That's not very good, apparent, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he's not good at like sort of realizing that if you say something, you have to wait and at least pretend that the other person's responding to you. You can't, you can't just <laughs> it's go... It's like uh, a kid, isn't it? Uh-huh. Hello? Yes. Uh-huh. Right, I'll be yeah. right there now. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. <laughs> Monsoon was terrible for that as well. If you saw him on prime time, it was such bad acting, but also really brilliant because it was because it was so shite. Uh, or when I prefer Gino- that compared to what fucking WCW used to do. Go when, when fucking Russo came, whenever anyone got a phone call, you would like hear it over the PA or you would like, you just hear it on the show and like Rousseau like drops the phone at one point and one of them where Goldberg rings to threaten him and he's like, oh, and his head's on his hands. He's not holding the phone. And we can all hear Goldberg being like, I'm coming for you, Vinny boy. I'm going to kill you. And you're just like, what the fuck? Why can I hear this? <laughs> yeah, no, not, not good. Um, so yeah, we'll cut to uh, the DBRC and Sherry and, and Teddy DBRC is on top form. I think if he's got a good feud going on and he's got like something to talk about, he's he's brilliant. Um, I love DBRC. Yeah, and you know what? This DBRC Virgil feud was one of it's sentimental now, but one of the hottest things of 1991. And this match, you can tell from the crowd response. Yeah, uh, you can't have just years of build up and then about six or seven months of Virgil being a face leading up to this match without the crowd. You know, if you do it right. Um, it did it right as well. Like the handling of the DQ was superb. Yeah. So the uh, it's DBRC and Virgil and Piper's at ring. Oh, fuck me. Piper is, he loses his voice. He's so full on. <laughs> but this. I thought that added to it. It just made it seem like he was so emotional about it. Like he cared so much. That's true. Well, well one thing I love is uh, when Virgil comes out and there's a spot where, D- because Virgil's meant to pull DBRC down from the second rope and then, turn them around and start smacking them. They know that that spot's meant to happen, but Piper's just hugging and kissing Virgil so much, and Virgil's like, get the fuck off us, man, I've got to do anything. <laughs> it's getting gay now, it's getting gay. <laughs> <laughs> and Nelly just blows the spot for, you know, everyone. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the DQ thing was really good because the crowd believed that it was just going to be a DQ. 
And I, um, I did watching it. And yeah. it, it's something I wanted to say, like one thing AEW now get wrong all the time is that they don't, they don't explain that things are going to referee's discretion. Right. And so quite often stuff just looks shit. And you just think like, why the fuck did the referee allow that? It's worse than the tag matches, but they make such a big deal of it that you understand why it's happening here. I thought that was really good. And that's something AEW could definitely do more of when they blatantly let things go and nobody really talks about the referee stopping it or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, the ring announces the narrator for the audience. Like, yeah, exactly. Cause they kind of hear the commentators. Yeah, and and look, and we and we, we've talked about this. There have been times where things have happened backstage, and the ring announcer, because the crowd aren't aware of it, they're not into the match as much. Mm-hmm. And the ring, it's mm-hmm. like the ring announcer should just spend a minute to say, "Oh yeah, so yeah." I mean, in the in the early Bischoff days, are bad for that, right? When, he, when he's first taken over, there's often shit happens backstage. Right? There's one where like, oh, I'm trying to remember who the match is, but like. Arn Anderson comes out dressed like the fucking Black Scorpion or something. <laughs> that's and, and, people, <laughs> and people are just like, what, what's going on here? Like, why? You know what I mean? And it's just like, the stuff's happened backstage that's not explained to the audience. And it used to happen quite often, and the audience just seemed dumbfounded by stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, DBRC and Sherry are, are so good at being heels with, like, facial expressions. The close-up on Sherry once she realizes she's getting kicked out. Um, for me... <laughs> yeah, I love her facial overacting. Oh, she's she's brilliant. <laughs> no pun intended. Well, I was going to say. Um, so the thing is, I would have played it up more because all they did was send what Renny Goulet out to fucking send her back. I would have had. She could have chinned Goulet. <laughs> yeah, I would have had security, like on security. Me, you know to what I mean? Drag her out <laughs> screaming. <laughs> but yeah, no, that that was great, and and it's not a technical masterpiece, but it's the definition of a storyline match where you're just so yeah. supportive of Virgil and you want him to win. And when he does... Even I was. Yeah. Like, the match was a bit shit in terms of what they did in the ring, but I was invested in the story and I cared about the outcome and what have you. It was it was great. And, you know, um, the DBRC undoing the turnbuckle and stuff like that, it, it's, it's one of those matches to me where it's like, it's almost the horror movie thing where you can't even imagine how the face is going to get out of it sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what they did. And then Virgil smashes DiBiase's head into the thing. And then, but that's the thing. He does that. And then they're both down for almost a 10 count. And then Virgil finally moves and then gets the pin. And that's it. And <coughs> it's fucking simple. But the crowd are so along for it. Um, that, like I say, I mean, even I was. Yeah. It's Virgil's, I mean, it's crowning moment. Definitely. And you can't take that away from him, no matter how much people take the piss constantly. Oh, out of I take the piss out of him, but that is definitely a good moment there. Yeah, I love him. Maybe a bit of a big deal about the fucking million-dollar championship, though. Like, <laughs> it, it, it is a prop, that one. Like, I'm, I get angry when people call belts props, but that one literally is a prop. Like, it's not a recognised belt. It's like the FTW belt, you know what I mean? Mm. And, um, oh, what was I going to say? We yeah, can make, it, so we can make a prop... <laughs> You know, it, it, an un, un- Oh, I remember now. It, it, it's Piper. When Piper goes wild about him getting the belt, I just kept thinking of uh, Dobby the house elf getting his sock. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. <laughs> with an with unsanctioned belt, though, I mean, it, that was one of the best uh, examples ever of just making a prop 
mean something? Matter. Like, do you know yeah. when they like fight over Judy Bagwell's over Judy Bagwell? <laughs> I was gonna say literally her. <laughs> her being What's the prop, um, your mom. <laughs> or as we'll talk about on um, the next uh, WCW review over a leather jacket. Uh, you know, it's just like, Holy fucking shit. <laughs> I knew you would not believe that until I showed you it. <laughs> uh, but the, the million dollar belt, I mean, he'd had it for what four years at that point, and it was it defined him. And it was like, I don't need the world title. I'll just fucking make me own title. So like he, like Taz did, <laughs> and mm-hmm. like fine, I'm having mine. Oh, totally. And and feeling that because you have it, you are above everyone. And it it was amazing. It, it there's only Great so much you can heat. do with it. Yeah, there's only so much you can do because DBRC did end up winning it back right before Survivor Series with the help of Repo Man. Uh, I don't recall of all uh, people. Well, I was going to say, I don't recall a particular Repo Man, Virgil, classic uh, feud or match or appearance <laughs> or anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was, it, it was perfect for that event, I think. And uh, I think we've said all we can on that, really, because, uh, you know, we've got to, right. get to, got to get the jailhouse match. <laughs> oh, I really wish that of all the airbrushed singlets that Jim, not singlets, dear God, I don't want to see Jimmy Hart in a singlet, <laughs> of all the airbrushed suit jackets that Jimmy wears, I really wish when he was managing the Mountie, he had like a due south looking one that had like the Canadian Vista sprayed on the back and a Mountie and all that sort of stuff. I thought it was a missed opportunity. Early on, did you ever see, he just had a plain red jacket early on. I don't know if you, you ever saw that. Oh, Jimmy? Yeah, just to manage the Mountie, yeah. I don't think I saw him in that. I always saw him in these like silly, wonderful spray painted bullshit is, things. Anymore. This is up there. Like, I mean, well, the thing is, as time went on, he started having custom made ones for the pay per views. And, uh, you know, there's some of them like. He cares so much, Jimmy Hart does. I really appreciate how much effort he always put in. Yeah. And this is the thing, unless you've got close ups of the gear, you can't even pick out. Most of the stuff that's because you're all, you're trying to look at like the date of the event and like even sometimes the picture of the arena names of everyone he's managing like he always did his best to get everyone over all the time. Um, yeah, he's one of my favorite managers of all time. Oh yeah, um, so fucking annoying as well, but that's good. Like a fucking <laughs> megaphone, you do want to shove it up his ass. Yeah. Um. Well, it's safe to say that when all these vignettes after the, the boss man Mountie match, it's when they keep cu- cutting back to Jimmy Hart. He's like, you know, I'm going to get my lawyer. I can't, you know, he's, he's had enough for like, you know. Um, and he's, You're he's, hurting me. You're still the best part. <laughs> and the thing, like the, the boss man Mountie match, it's, it's not long. It's about it just... It's not very good either, but the crowd cares. The, the crowd does care. I think the crowd don't... I, they do see it on the screen. Because you do get the crowd reaction, which is very rare for an event back then. Of all of the I thought that, and- you know, yeah. when you can hear the crowd cheering during those vignettes, that felt like we're watching the Attitude Era again. It feels so un- unlike 91. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, they've paid for this jailhouse match. I guess they want to see the payoff. Or, or yeah. they at least deserve to see the payoff. And uh, well, They do, they do. Yeah. Uh, so Bossman, you know... He- <laughs> There's no way Man's losing this. But what I love is the, the promo before it. But uh, Mountie stood in front of the uh, NYPD and he's uh, saying, like, when Bossman loses, I don't want you to be nice and kind. I want you to fucking brim and put you in the back of the... <laughs> he's like, this little town's hick cops. I'm like, it's in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when... Because he's like, I don't want you to be nice like you usually are. I'm like, what? Like, 
Are you sure? Like, um, yeah. They're not known for nice ones. No. Uh, <laughs> so, boss man, yeah, what I love about this, and they didn't have to do it, is there's an amazing near fall, which you don't expect in a boss man mountain match, but it just shows you how much the mountain doesn't want to go to prison. <laughs> that he, kicks out, <laughs> he kicks out with the boss man's finisher, and then boss man eventually... Oh, the... Yeah, you Sorry, get, go on. Yeah, you get some of the sidewalk slam, and then you pointed out because I think you were quite impressed by it, the what Boss Man actually beat him with. Yeah, he does the Alabama slam, and I was like, "Oh, get in! I love that move." It just yeah. seemed weird. Like I don't think I'd ever seen him do it before. Yeah, it, he, it, it, he it, didn't it, do it as Ray Trailer or the Guardian Angel or Big Bubba or any of his other assortment of daft names he had in his short time in WCW. Yeah, and and you didn't, in terms of like really high impact moves, there wasn't a lot of that going on. As well, so that really stood out on the whole card. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a modern move for the time as well. I was really impressed. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> Bossman uh, pins the mountain, and then you see him getting handcuffed and taken off, and all. And that, that's the thing; uh, they, they take the mountain's advice and use it on him, <laughs> so they can yeah, you know, <laughs> treat him like shit. And uh, take you see, Piper's attempted a rape joke just before it. No, go on. I can't remember what he said, but he makes some <laughs> joke about the mountain getting anally raped. And there's just like an awkward pause for about 20 seconds. And then the commentators all just start talking about something else. <laughs> Which is quite funny, given that WWE then did that for the last vignette anyway. I can only oh. think that Heenan and Gorilla are both like, you didn't just say that, oh no. And then they'll be watching the footage on the big screen like, fuck's sake. The, the, what I, and again, because I, I don't want to seem like a hypocrite with this kind of thing, because I'm not keen on like movie matches where it's like a multi-camera thing. I wasn't keen looking at it now. And I get, but you don't realise it as a kid that this is a multi-camera shoot. And it's like, like when he's kind of in the neck and the processing them. Yeah, that. with the really less cameras. <laughs> like the, into the fucking jail. I don't know. To do the mugshot and stuff like that. I get one. Also, no- it's only one night as well. Why are they making such a big deal? You're going to jail for a night? Well, if it was like you're definitely going to get raped in prison, then I guess you would do everything you could to not win. Or to not lose, I should say. To not win? Yeah. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> One notable thing is when uh, they need him to do his fingerprints, he's like, do you want the finger? Here's the finger. And he fucking flips them off. <laughs> I love them, out you know. I think he's class. I'm surprised they didn't have a better match, you know, because they're both really capable guys. And I think Bossman's one of the most underrated big lads. Yeah. I don't know if the match just... I think maybe it's just because everyone's just waiting for the payoff and know what's going to happen or something. They might be gel as well as I think they they would have done. Yeah, there might be that. I mean, they've certainly wrestled uh, previously, uh, but it's not like a classic. It's it's what it's like you say. It's one of those where everyone's waiting for the payoff, and but the payoff is hopefully worth it. But again, they do overdo it when when he ends up in the prison cell. the the bloke who comes up to him he's like do you like do you like the feel of leather like you know like, <laughs> I don't know they're like caressing him the two of them I'm like what is Dean it's Who's like um, kids? Oh, what was what like mole rats do you know when Ben uh, Ben Affleck goes to prison and you just see the hand on his hand behind the prison bar <laughs> aye that's what they should have done <laughs> <laughs> that's subtle though <laughs> like how does the cameraman get to Film him in the prison cell. Like, why is he allowing this? Yeah. <laughs> why are the cameraman filming? Guys, basically telling the mountie, we are gonna fuck you in the ass. <laughs> it's like the cameraman are like, yep, we work with this guy, and we're just gonna film him. Being told he's gonna get bummed. Do and we we'll have thing, to film the woman. I know. Did the cameraman stay? That's the thing. Like, you know, maybe we'll find that footage somewhere at some point on hidden gems. Hidden or gems. 
<laughs> um, see, early on though, like when I when I was little, and you have to look at these face because I would love to know who they got for this, but it looked like Pierre Colouet. Looked like PCO. Um, really? Yeah, but it's not. It's definitely not. But I, I was going to say, I didn't notice him, but I also wasn't watching that. Closely. I honestly thought for like a good while that it was uh, him. But like, when <laughs> Mountie, because the thing is, though, the Mountie Bossman feud kind of ended at that point. And it's just like, what? Like, if someone sent me to prison, I'd be. I'd be come out full of hell the next day, like. Especially if we got raped. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, why are you letting this go? <laughs> Um, yeah, just just bad stuff, lad. Bad stuff. <laughs> There's a few good bits in the match, though. There's a bit, you know, when Bossman's head's hanging out on, under the apron, under the rope. Mountie right. does a fucking vicious-looking elbow drop on his neck. Yeah. Like, that would have killed him, the one he does <laughs> on his throat. But there's also a hilarious bit with Bossman that I'm sure will be a gif. <laughs> he gets hit with the pile driver and he goes, <laughs> he does the like shaky heat afterwards. I was like, what are you doing, Ray? How am I? Bossman had some weird uh, selling... Yeah, I definitely. thought he looked like he just had a Scooby snack or something, <laughs> you know, and they're like, Wee! and they get all like wobbly and excited. That's what a boss man looked like. It was like, you're just pile driven, mate. Do you think it's like the, the police that because I'm assuming they were real police? Um, I mean, they, they took yeah, them I away. I assumed they were actors, like, well, I don't know. They took them away in a real police car, and that I don't know if they just like, I don't know if you, you can't exactly run out of prison, I guess, but maybe it's, I don't know. It's, like, it's at a police station, isn't it? It's a holding cell. Mm hmm. So the baby's just like, what <laughs> is there much going on tonight, lads? Nah. Do you want to take part in a WBF bit? Like Yeah, why not? I'd <laughs> <laughs> uh, love to know like how many murders happened, you know, because they're like He's two policy yeah. <laughs> playing with the Mountie basically. <laughs> so Same cops and robbers with the Mountie. <laughs> and then you get Death by vignette after that, though. <laughs> well, one thing... About Twelve this, in a row. Twelve! They don't show this on the Coliseum video. On, um... They, they I show the not believe all, what I was seeing. Well, they show all the vignettes and everything, but the one thing they don't show on the video, which they do show on the network version, is, I believe it's Monsoon, who's like, right, we're going to take a five-minute break. <laughs> like... Uh, or no, it might have been Gene Oakland or something like that, but uh, they actually acknowledge like it. doing a seminar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm guessing a lot, all these vignettes did not get shown in the arena because people want to go out and have a tab. And... I would definitely have gone for a beer at this point. Like. <laughs> so uh, are there any that stick out? I, I said... like They all serve a purpose. It's just so fucking many in a row. I was less annoyed by it once you explained to us it was an intermission. Because <laughs> it's just suddenly like, all right, and there's a vignette, and there's another one, and there's another one. I was like, what, what the fuck's going on here? And after the sixth one, I was like, seriously, what's going on? Not well, knowing there were six more. If you watch all those early, I mean, really, after, because I think this might have been, honestly, a Tony Schiavone thing, if he was in charge of the Coliseum videos, that he might have introduced the idea of actually doing something with the intermission instead of putting a clock up there for yeah, five minutes and a couple of adverts and stuff like that. Cause it did seem SummerSlam 89 uh, certainly seemed to me like the first time that they had a load of interviews in a row. Luckily everyone could talk. So it was like, it was entertaining, you know what I mean? But if you um, watch like uh survive series 91 stands out for that, uh, this SummerSlam WrestleMania seven does it as well, but that's when they had celebrities interviewing people and it died on its ass. Uh, Cause I don't remember is, that. 
Well, that was specifically meant to be bad because Heenan, as a as a rib, set the celebrities up to interview all the heels, like the Undertaker or. Uh, oh, right. So just treat the celebrities like cons all the time. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's when I mean they had Donald Trump's wife. Uh, which one? Ivana. No, um, Marla Maples. Remember. I don't even remember that one. Oh yeah, she um she was interviewing the nasty boys backstage and the kissing her and the chucking champagne over her and stuff. I like that. fucking love the nasty boys, you know. <laughs> well, one thing to say about because oh, who was I was watching a shoot with Jim Duggan and he was talking about what uh, the bulldogs how they could be bullies. And it's like they were only bullies to like the jobbers, whereas like Brian Nobbs, he would bully the jobbers, he would bully Hogan, everyone, he would bully Flair, right, like like the Steiners. <laughs> like, yep, you're all getting fucked with. <laughs> on Flair's uh, Hall of Fame speech, they're talking about a rib that Brian Nobbs pulled on Flair or something like that, and he's like, "Nobbs, where are you? Here, I heard you here, you fat piece of shit." <laughs> Nobs is, uh, I love that team. I love that team. Nobs is great. And he's, Nobs is in, uh, are you seeing he's in hospital at the moment? He's uh, going through it. Ah, he is. Um, it's very sad. It's very sad. You would think, being best mates with Hogan, that you wouldn't need to do a Kickstarter. Like, that's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, I know. I'm, I can't believe it. Like, for all Jericho can be a Trumpy knob jockey often, like, he fucking helps loads of people out in those sort of situations who he was peers with with money. And, like, Hogan really should. You'd think cynically, with how much bad publicity terrible Terry has and every <laughs> everyone fucking hates him, that yeah. he would do things like that and be like, bring the cameraman, brother. It's, <laughs> especially if you won a hundred million on that cockpit, which I don't think he got, to be fair. But uh no. But um, so, Hogan yeah. would take a fucking selfie while he was giving you the check. <laughs> um so this intermission. I did point out to you that always uh, on a SummerSlam it seemed like there'd always be a heel who had lost a title would always give the best promo you never get post-match interviews with angry heels anymore like vowing to get yeah, revenge true, and stuff like that and I always thought that they were great because you get to see them be embarrassed and you know again vow revenge and stuff like that and it's a, it's a great payoff and you see DBRC uh, this year being like really annoyed him and Sherry uh, but I mean, there's a lot of, like you say, a lot of vignettes, so we can't go through every single one. Did any of them stand out to you? <laughs> you they just... all serve a purpose, but none are especially entertaining, if that makes sense. I get you. Yeah. I, I enjoy the context. That's one thing. If you remember when me, you, and Scott were watching that WrestleMania from 89. Oh, yeah. Like all I'd ever seen was the tag classic of it, mm-hmm. where they had like conjunctives and what have you, and they were telling you what happened in the matches. When me and you watched that pay-per-view, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Because none of them were in. And I had no idea what was going on. They just seemed like loads of matches for the sake of it, even though they aren't. And also, none of the matches were edited. So you got, like, Ronnie Garvin against Dino Bravo, which went on for far too long. Oh, and then you, got, know, that, you, know. you killed all three of them with that, didn't it? <laughs> um, yes, there's a reason why they cut these uh, matches down a bit. But uh, So, yeah, we're going to the tag title match. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this, because it's LOD Nasty Boys sold, right? Two amazing yep. fucking teams braying each other. But Fun was- fact, too. Fun yeah. fact. Mm-hmm. While I remember it, the Nasty Boys, um, this title run, made them the only team in history to have won the NWA, the AWA, and the WWF tag team titles. Nice. Oh, well, LOD. No, 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 no the Nasty Boys. They, they were the champions at the time, weren't they? Yeah, they were the tag. Yeah, um, when LOD won it, they also became like triple crown. They've never been to AWA, though, had they? They had AWA belts, yeah. 
Did they really? Oh, Did well, they? there you go. My fact means fuck all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't even remember the Road Warriors being in AW. Neither do I. Alive. They won it in 88. Um, if you watch... Uh, oh, so nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. Uh, when you saw... Uh, no one that did that over-the-edge show in Milwaukee when Lola pulls off the crusher's leg. <laughs> he gets fucking... Oh, no, <laughs> yes. sorry, Mad Dog's leg, and then the crusher fucking brings him because he, do, he doesn't realise that it's not a work. <laughs> and he's like, who come here? Fucking? <laughs> you fucking dare. <laughs> so LOD come out first, and Lola's just like, so what? They won the AW title. And like, in eight years, I won the world title, and I never had to come this fucking shit up. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, this is billed as a street fight. Now, did you? Uh, they never mentioned it, I don't think, which is probably a good thing because it would have. No, they do say it's no DQ because there's right. one, one bit <laughs> where they break the rules. I think it's knobs gets like the cable around someone's neck, right? And he hits him with a pint or something like that, and the gorilla's like, "Oh, see, it's because it's no DQ. Anything can happen." And the proper hyping it up like you're watching the. He hits him with a pint. Death. Something like that, doesn't he? There's like, like a plastic paint or something. Oh, right. Okay. I, I, I'm thinking not like a glass Beg- one. That I'm thinking like cool. Begbie from Train Spotting. Just fucking. <laughs> no, no. He doesn't be a glass one. <laughs> that would have been. That would have made it a lot more interesting. No, I'm sure he gets waffled with like a plastic paint pot off right, the okay. or something like that. But so, yeah, I mean, they really act like you're watching the Tournament of Death at that point, and I'm like, shut up, man. <laughs> It's like an opposite Malenko, though, isn't it? Where they actually stick to the rules. I compared to sold out. <laughs> this, this, the, if this wasn't advertised as a street fight, for me, it would have been perfectly fine. But the fact it's too that short as well, though. That's the it, other thing. This is the kind short. of match I would dream of seeing, and then it's like eight minutes long. Yeah. Does the fact, though, that they don't go all out on a, on a match that is meant to be no DQ, does that let it down for you? It does. And do you know what really hurts it in that way as well? Maybe this is because I'm a fan of the Southern stuff. Mm-hmm. This is no DQ and it's a tag match. So you've got to make it tornado rules. Like, yeah. Why the fuck would you tag out? Like, the ref's like counting them and he's like <laughs> checking the hole in the tag rope and that. I'm like, it's no DQ. You told me to get out. I just say, no. <laughs> like, what are yeah. you going to do with disqualifiers? Like, even Heenan points that out. And Piper starts like trying to save it because Heenan's like, well, well, why are you getting out the ring? And it's like Heenan's just being logical. And I was like, yeah, I was just thinking that too, Bobby. What the fuck's going on here? If it wasn't such over teams and if people were expecting an ODQ match, I think they would have been booing this. Yeah, it's 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 enjoyable enough, but it's it's just short and it's not violent. And yeah, I think that one of the reasons I was down on this pay-per-view after I watched it, was this was the one of the matches I was thinking, get in, I would love to see that. And then it was just not for much. Yeah, and for me, and, and I mentioned this to you, the model tag team tornado, no holds barred rules match that they should have watched before going into this was Doom against the Horsemen in Starcade 90. Um, you know I love that. Oh, it's, I mean, because I, I love that event, even with the Black Scorpion and all that kind of thing. But this... I love shitting on the Black Scorpion, but the rest of that is a fucking amazing <laughs> event and people don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is, I mean, people bleed, there's weapons, there's there's extra uh, paramedics at ringside just in case, you know. Um, ah, yeah, it's great. It's everything you could want, except for the, the shite double pin uh, finish. Yeah, I'm never a fan of that, like... <laughs> Where the referee just like counts, but it's like what? Like surely and they count with both hands, like doing the pin at the same time. <laughs> Fuck off, man. Wrestling's silly, but that's very silly. It's quite silly. Um, and, and not a thing to do on your biggest pay per view. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you've got a fucking guy who comes out of a spaceship for the main event, it doesn't really matter. 
<laughs> that was fair enough. Um, so, yeah, it's sadly not a lot memorable about this match, except for the fact that Nobbs takes the worst-looking flip off that doomsday thing I've ever seen. Um, he does, doesn't he? Like a sack of shit. Like, he just... <laughs> the thing is... because He's the just dumped, isn't he? He really is. Because that's the thing, there's more skilled teams like Money Inc. who refuse to take that doomsday. I think Nobbs is like, I don't fucking care. You just fucking do it. And I'll get flying. <laughs> like, um, I've done worse. Whatever. <laughs> how, how he didn't actually break his neck. Uh, but I fucking don't know. They're it, in mint shape, by the way. The nasties at that point. Yeah. Yeah, they're probably in the best shape that they were ever going to be in. I think. The thing is, it's... It is crazy that how many names over that year or so came from WCW NWA into the WWF and it felt like unlike previously they were actually starting to be used a bit better except for the dragon <laughs> like um oh, poor bastard <laughs> but it, it is mental but uh, we've talked about this just today like I never get the criticism of mocking a company because they're using a lot of other companies former names it's just that's wrestling there's only so many fucking oh, jobs out there like it that's only a WWE fan, modern WWE fan specifically. Mm-hmm. Like if you were conditioned from the millennia onward, millennium onwards, like you have that attitude. It's like I was saying to you and people are like, oh, it's just two, TNA too. I'm like, I fucking love TNA in the 2000s. <laughs> it was a really fun time, like yeah. mint. <laughs> your insult you've just said there would make me think, oh, I better check this out. And you know what? If the in, No matter what you like, anyone thinks about WWE, it's the biggest show and they've worked fucking hard to get there as well. And they deserve to be there if they want to be there. Um, totally. You know, I saw so- a funny meme today about that, you know, so oh. you were saying about people keep calling them at like TNA 2.0. I think I might've sent you it, but then it's like, there's a picture of all of the fucking guys from impact who are in WWE now. And there's like 20 people on it. And like three <laughs> of them are champions and that you're like, yeah, about that TNA 2.0 thing. Yeah. It is quite funny though. I've got a TNA calendar from like 2009. Uh, or 2008, sorry. And uh, just all things start going bad because <laughs> Christian's in it. So, like, that's you know, but it, it so, just shows you that they were selling calendars of TNA in the Metro Center, you know what I mean? Like in Calendar Club, like TNA was they had the chance to fucking be huge or certainly yeah. be bigger than what they were, but and they if, fucked it all up. Has <laughs> anyone fucking missed an opportunity more than they did with that? Mm. Well, when you look at that calendar, though, because well, I looked at it, maybe it's 2017, so Sting was still there, Christian was there, and all, and Angle was there, and I was just like, fuck me, I could put this on my wall now, and you would think it was a current WWE calendar. <laughs> 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 um, so, right, let's... So, uh, LOD, I mean, get an amazing pop, beating the Nasty Boys. Uh, and- the Road Warrior pop. <laughs> like, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's called that for a reason, isn't it? <laughs> But it, I know it, you'll it, disagree with us. I, mm-hmm. I don't like them looking like that as much as I like the black pads with the silver spikes. They I look scarier and Mad Max like in that. If it helps, I don't think they did either. Like, I think they just knew. Did they not? Like, I think, well, Animal, one thing I love about Animal's biography is he goes so much into the ring gear. Like he cared so much about like talking about using different colors and uh, different styles of the face paint and stuff like that. He had a slightly artistic. His face paint was art. The fucking yeah. Predator one on that. Yeah. Um, and I love, because, you know, I'm a nerd uh, for this kind of thing. I love it when they talk about just little things like the entrance gears and 
the oh, me too. And yeah, like an attire that they wore as a one-off, or like, and they tell you the reason why they wore it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So they knew they had to just be more child-friendly and more marketable. That's basically it. Because if you look at, um, I, I think their gear was being made, the red gear, but it hadn't been made in time for because uh, for when they showed up. So they were actually still wearing their WCW gear at that point, and Hawk even still had his old WCW face paint for the first photo shoot that they did. Uh, That's which, fun. Which and it's been used. You know, the it's like the black bat sign with the yellow stripe through it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. They, and they used that on a lot of merchandise uh, for a good long while. Uh, they, and I don't think they're even wearing the spikes at this point, and they don't look like WWF LOD, even like I say when they show up on. Uh, on TV, and when they first showed up, they didn't even have the "Oh, what a rush!" Like very early on, they had just generic rock music. Um, really? Yeah. Um, it's just one of you. Wouldn't you think though that they would have like, had it all fucking ready for your biggest team ever coming in? But they uh, are one of the fucking apart from maybe the Steiners. They're one of the fucking coolest teams ever. They really should add so much. And, and I don't know that red armor for me kind of looks like someone went to like laser quasar and just said make it a bit bondagey, <laughs> just like slightly bondaged up or motocross. You know, like the body armor you might wear dirt biking and that sort of thing. It's just it's a bit like that, and it's it's just not as cool as the Mad Max look. I agree. Is it worse than the blue WCW yeah? That's fucking dire. That. That's just the same, but blue. It's like choosing the same character twice on Street Fighter and having the alternate- <laughs> <laughs> yeah alternate attire on like where you both fucking can. <laughs> <laughs> they made that gear as figures, and when they first brought those figures out, this was like what oh six or something like that. I hadn't seen that little WCW run, so I was just like, "What the fuck's this? Why have they done this?" Like, you know, um, it looks wrong, doesn't it? It does look wrong because that's the thing. The the, the red attire is so kind of synonymous with the WWF run, which is probably their most famous run in terms of worldwide recognition. Oh, I definitely. That, that I liked the, it when I was little as well. When I was yeah. a child, I thought it was cool. Yeah. Like, and the, I was I was fucking six or something, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but the blue does seem... If you noticed at the end of that WCW run, they started going back to the red... In... Oh, sorry. I meant the red. I liked when I was. I was clearly not six when the. Oh no, no, no. I was well old <laughs> by then. But at the end of that, though, I think they even realised that the blue just wasn't working, so they went back to the red and they wore like this grey and red and black design on the track on the tights that they would actually bring in the WWF as well with the sort of more grey and not bright red shoulder pads. It was more grey and silvery with a bit of red in and the. You've reminded us of the worst look now. There was one worse than the blue. Oh, go on. Fucking LOD oh, 2000. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, they looked stupid there. Did you know Hawk punted that fucking helmet into the crowd one night? I do he... not blame him. It is appalling. <laughs> Looks like the Stig going to a fancy dress costume. <laughs> party. It's just so stupid. It was, um, yeah, if they didn't have Sonny early on, I think that people would have just laughed at it, to be honest. But um... I fucking hell. How can you imagine? Like, let's get the Legion of Doom with Sonny and make it suck. <laughs> like, how well, are you doing that? Well, if you want to talk about like laser questions, sort of fuck me, the laser because it was LOD 2000, it was futuristic, and as Techno Team 2000 have shown, you know, it definitely works. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. was that, that was the at the time version of putting the new in front of, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, LOD two thousand. Um, we'll do we'll do their run at some point. <laughs> Fucking hell! I'll subject you to their ninety eight ninety nine run. <laughs> I've seen some of it. So after the LOD Nasty Boys match, we kind of have the the filler match of the night. I'm not entirely. I, I guess you need something maybe to break. And I, I never. I 
you know what I should have had I here? I tried to justify it, but I never believe in it. The whole match mm-hmm. to break up the crowd, calm them down for the main event. It's like, no, capitalize on the fucking hot crowd. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Keep going with the heat. Yeah. <laughs> That's something I know we both are quite passionate on. I'm like, just fucking keep overexciting the audience until they're going to die of excitement. <laughs> just give them a fucking good show. Stop trying to control their You're emotions. already going to end it with a fucking wedding. <laughs> like, put the wedding here. If you need a fucking dead spot before the main event, how about the wedding that you're going to main event the pay-per-view with? Jesus Christ. With the little munchkin kids and one of them looks like Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> um, what were you going to say? Sorry. Uh, oh, so much fun I saw them. Just sorry, just before we go away from Legion of Doom and the Nasty Boys, mm-hmm. uh, there's a woman in the crowd who has like Cabbage Patch Kids dolls made into <laughs> Nasty Boys. Isn't that fucking fun? I love that. It doesn't get more of its time than that. Like, but yeah, they definitely, I do remember that. They should have marketed those or something. <laughs> I would love to think that they're in a cupboard somewhere. Um, I hope so. Or- I, I love them. <laughs> Were they more over with you than Rocco? <laughs> uh, yeah, they were. <laughs> also, because that was just like some old wifey in the crowd who loved the Nasty Boys. It wasn't the fucking Road Warriors bringing the dummy off goosebumps. <laughs> she must have been... What do, you, do you think she dumped them in the bin after they lost the tag belts that night? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll go to uh, show stealer of the night, uh, IRS against Greg Valentine. Um <laughs> <laughs> we just did a uh, we just did a show on Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks because Cello have just announced their action figures and you've seen pictures of them and I, I cannot fucking wait like I'm so excited. <laughs> and, great. Um, when doing a bit of research on uh, Big Daddy, I don't know if you know this or not, but this was after World of Sport had finished. He was uh, teaming up with his, I think it was his nephew, legitimately, but he must have looked like Greg Valentine because he went under the name Greg Valentine. But it wasn't great. Oh, really? Because it was like 1987. Um, I didn't know that. And they had a tag match against, and I wish I, I should have had the names, but like I can't remember the names, against two wrestlers. And Big Daddy does his uh, splash on one of them. And instead of selling, he just fucking turns blue. And then he gets taken to the hospital and he dies. Um, oh, shit. Yeah. And uh, the they found out eventually, the, like did an autopsy and it was, it was a pre-existing heart condition. So Big Daddy cleared of everything, but that kind of... Uh, Fucking hell. Yeah, pretty bad. But How yeah, do you live that down, like with yourself? Yeah. Even once you're told you're not guilty, you'd it, never get over that. Yeah, I mean, it could be argued that he never did, you know. Um, yeah, but true. it was just interesting that he, his uh, cousin <laughs> named him Greg Valentine. So I need to find a picture of uh, of that. But I understand having Valentine at the garden because he's a garden legend. Uh, but he had nothing going on at this point. I'm actually surprised when you think of the names that weren't there, like the Rockers and Jim Duggan and Tito Santana. Um, Jake the fucking snake. One of the only stories I can remember from 91. Is yeah. the Jake the Snake stuff, and then he's not there. <laughs> well, the, um, we'll we'll get into that in a second before the Warrior match because they do mention Jake and everything during the IRS Greg Valentine match. Actually, uh, Bobby Heenan says, "I've heard a rumor that Jake the Snake and the Undertaker are in the building." Now, for them to then only show up on the post-show Coliseum video <laughs> wedding reception is a bit of a letdown, um, isn't it? They yeah. should have had that on the network. You end of that boring-ass wedding and you're waiting for something to happen and fucking nothing does. Yeah, if you've only seen the Coliseum video and then you've sold your DVD, you're ready to watch it on the network and then the, one of the best parts of the night just fucking isn't there. Isn't fucking there. <laughs> so yeah, there's nothing. And One thing I like notable about this is Greg Valentine breaks out his old uh, Dream Team robe. 
for this. I uh, don't know if there yeah. was a meaning behind that or what, because Valentine was going back and forth between Tenru's company in Japan and WWF at this point, and uh, is a bit of a talent exchange. But IRS had just come into the company, and I guess it was a way to get them over, but the crowd were just not not feeling this much and 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 you know what the smart garden crowd will have been like why is mike rotunda wearing a fucking <laughs> i felt like that you know <laughs> i just kept thinking here are two people i love putting on a match i do not love when you consider some of the matches that they will have had is the us express against the dream team and all that kind of stuff in 85 oh, and 84 and just um it is that's kept being like this is not the way to for captain mike to be treated like well, it's not no, as bad as when he's captain bird's eye but like at least he wins i think it's more it's a shame that greg valentine gets at least he's getting a payday and he's you know on in the garden and that but like he shouldn't be jobbing in quite convincing fashion this is why i was think how many years the year after in wcw exactly that's when when he reviewed uh i think it was bash 92 great american bash 92 when he came oh it was beach blast no it's beach blast hi when he came out to that music he just you're like that's Fucking Greg Valentine, like you forget him and Taylor were a mint team. I remember from when I was a kid, like, yeah. And you want Greg Valentine bring people, like, that's what he did. He'd like, no, he's the hammer, yeah, and hammer people. <laughs> and he loses in a reasonably convincing. It was very weird that Valentine kept signaling for the figure four, and never went for it. And then when he, I was gonna say about that, <laughs> it makes Gorilla maximum like the WWF's answer to Dusty Rhodes on commentary, like, because, like, I know he's got the name of, like, every move all night wrong when he's trying to say them, <laughs> but, like, he's like, Greg Valentine's going for the figure four, and then Valentine does an elbow drop, and he goes, he's definitely going for it this time, <laughs> and then he headbutts him instead, and he's like, here comes the figure four, and he just drops an elbow on his knee, and I'm like, just give up, Gorilla. Just wait until he starts doing it, and then say it's the figure four. Vince would get angry at Gorilla because he would call stuff before it happened. Um, just oh, because. It happen. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and uh, <laughs> um, Gorilla. Um, by the sounds that he wanted to be seen to be smarter than the audience in some ways. Um, Mandibular and all that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, and you can do it if you're heen and going. What side is he on and stuff like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> Even though you don't actually know it's actually going to happen. But when you've got, <laughs> um, he definitely didn't mean that. You know, everyone gets no, heen shit for that. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. You wouldn't say. But the thing is, though, it makes sense that he never trusted Hogan ever. Yeah, so, ever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but monsoon, like, if like someone was co- to come out as number thirty, and no one, he was like, "Well, it's obvious who's coming now. It's the Warlord." And it's just like, "Oh, cheers, Gorilla!" Like, <laughs> fucking <laughs> yeah, no, couldn't have waited sake. four more seconds to just fucking, you know. Um, Let us hear the music and that, and react. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this match. I mean. It, it it's there for isn't it? whatever reason to break up uh, your hot tag team title match and then your your hotly builded main event. Uh, so- the main event will do anything to dampen your fucking <laughs> excitement anyway. There's no need for this match. Well, um, <laughs> um, the main event is shite. I'm not holding back on that. Like, like this well, was a pointless, nothing happened match, but the main event's shit. The, you know, there's a lot going into this main event, the, the you know, Warrior, this is the event where he holds up Vince for money. And, uh, you, you know, he probably... That is other, more interesting than the match. <laughs> well, other than his ring gear, which is spectacular, like, that's probably the thing that he put the most effort into all night. Um, Hogan and Warrior is a is a team... I mean, it's, it's a great idea because they've never done it on a pay-per-view as just them two together as a team. Um, but this... 
between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, they introduced Colonel Mustafa, Iron Sheik, and they vaguely referenced that he used to be there in 84 and remembered Hogan and stuff like that. And Piper even brings up on commentary when he goes for the, the camel clutch. But you meant to just reference it once and then just never talk about it ever again sort of thing. And But... Stupid. Yeah. There, were, there was just the... the the heat had died off by this point. Um, but was who, the heat ever even fucking there? Like I, people did not buy tickets to the WrestleMania or anything. No one gave a fuck about this angle. Yeah, but but this. Well, I was going to say who else you put in. Obviously, Jake and the Undertaker. Yeah, <laughs> you could have had a fucking mint main event. Yeah, and and the thing is because one of those things again as a kid when you've only seen the Coliseum video as I had only had. Uh, I think you had seen the TV at that point. The uh, the Jake Warrior Snake Pit teaching them the ways of the dark side, so you can fight the Undertaker. And uh, I like all that camp shit, though. That is fun. It, it, it's it's fun and it's ridiculous. And there's a couple it's of points. Really stupid. It's like TNA level stupid. <laughs> some of it, but that's why I liked it. It's so camp and so it's far so beyond and stupid un- that I enjoy it. Yeah, it's so un WWF because they're doing the mini movie before those WCW White Castle and all that kind of stuff. I, I was thinking that. It reminded us of some of the cheesy shit that WCW did. Mm-hmm. With a couple of point of view camera shots, which I could have, I would have, it's one of those things that you, how did they get the cameraman to agree to go into the room of all the fucking killer King Cobras and shit like that? Yeah, I know. Fuck that. I'm not going in there. <laughs> <laughs> so I never saw any of that. Um, but you would think again, it would make sense because, I mean, take his feud with Warrior. Jake's just fucking turned on Warrior, and that feud never happens. And uh, Jake's getting ready for, like, you know, feud of his career, big money-making feud, and then Warrior fucking leaves. And I think it was Pat that he's like, Jake, he was I think. bitter about that for a long time, wasn't he? Re- well, quite rightly, quite rightly. Um, I would have been. So all you've got is... <laughs> and you know what? It's nothing against the free individual people, but, like, fucking Adnan is early 50s, can barely do out. Colonel Mustafa, Iron Sheik, I mean, even by 89, WCW, he's fucking gone. Um, I know, and then this is two years later. <laughs> why? The, I mean, I guess... Oh, I don't why is just the word for everything about this angle, just why? To, to give them some more heat, I guess, because the Sheik's a natural heat getter. Um, that's the only reason I can think of it, because why would... Because WCW let the Sheik's contract roll over, and that was 150 grand a year. And, <laughs> he, fucking, and he was so bad that they tried to make him a jobber on TV so he would get disgusted and quit. And he was like, no, Baba, I do all the jobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pin me, pay me. <laughs> oh, Kevin Nash said one of his first road trips ever was with Sid, Dutch Mantel, and the Iron Sheik. And he was just like, what the fuck? How bizarre. <laughs> Jesus. And he's probably a fucking wizard at the time as well. (laughs) Or is he still the Master Blaster? I can't remember. He goes to a few gash gimmicks. Yeah, Master Blaster, the legendary Master Blasters. Uh, (laughs) um, So that's the thing. The crowd are are very much into Hogan and Warrior. I don't think they care about who's facing them, to be honest. Mm. It's how show as fuck this. It really is. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious as well. Sid comes out to zero response, which surprised us. And Monsoon's like proper jizzing his pants over the ovation he apparently got. And I'm like, we were expecting them to dub that in later, Monsoon, because that happened here. <laughs> well, Sid, and, and that's another thing between WrestleMania and SummerSlam, Sid randomly shows up and they kind of insert him into the main event so quickly that 
you don't have time to really know what Sid's about. You know, he's not really wrestling at this point, um, or he hadn't done anything of note in WWF, and they immediately put him in as guest referee. I get, you know, I get, I get. People it. might have known him from WCW, to be fair, though. No, no, I, I, I totally understand that. But in terms of just establishing him in WWF, like, why would he be in the main event immediately and all that kind of thing? And yeah, just, yeah. you know, especially if they're barely doing any vignettes or like any kind of push or whatever. But the the whole night and through the match, they fucking embarrass him at the end as well. They do, they do, and and the Heenan goes out of his way to try and push the idea that Sid was going to join uh, Iraq or us, um, but <laughs> fucking um, Iraq and roll. <laughs> <laughs> it's and, more like torture Iraq, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but even when um, so they're trying to add some kind of intrigue, and it's just not working because. Heenan's just looking too much into it, but they're also trying to get Piper to even agree with Heenan, which would never normally happen. So they're trying to make it seem like Sid could turn on Hogan and Warrior here. It's not going to happen. I mean, it's just, you know, so Warrior, that spot where he chases uh, Colonel Must- Oh, I, no, I'm not going to say he couldn't have run <laughs> to the back. No, he chases Adnan out. <laughs> chases Adnan <laughs> to the back. They've done that previously. Hogan and Warrior would team up against Taker, Adnan and Slaughter. And there's even a match on the Coliseum video um, where Warrior runs to the back just so Hogan, it's the line, Hogan must pose, so he's in there by himself. Um, but this time, Warrior runs and keeps fucking running. I think he just... You know, he I'm getting his, the fuck out of town here. <laughs> served his, he gets the money, apparently, if you believe Vince, and Warrior's never uh, said anything. Warrior's never it. disputed that. No, I? but he also got fucking fired immediately. Um, and... That was that was kind of the end. And the Hogan, uh, the Hogan luster had gone. Right. Yeah, um, it's it's wank. Like in this match, is really fucking boring. You're just watching people take turns doing <laughs> headlocks or eye rakes until eventually Hulk Hogan cheats by powder and slaughter, and then wins with a fast count as well. I was like, I really can't hate this enough. Like, he meant to be a baby face. And then for Hogan to fucking strip old angry sheep off. And for rather than Sid being like, you've just pulled me fucking clothes off. He's like, who, me? And he like, <laughs> simpers like a little bitch. That he, he's like, oh, I can't believe I'm getting a Hulk up with Hulk Hogan. He's like, fucking hell, I've turns out I could hate this much more. <laughs> I love it when Hogan points to the back and Sid peeks through the, uh, the, the curtain and he looks, remember the Scottish Widow advert? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like the Scottish widow. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, him peeling off Sid's shirt. I mean, there's definitely, you know, some undertones. And he's like, oh, that, like. thank you, Hulk. Like, what the <laughs> fuck am I looking at here, man? But you know what, it's like though? Kenny Everett or something, isn't he? <laughs> I just wanted him while he's hulking up. It's all in the best possible taste. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love a Kenny Everett reference on, on the podcast. <laughs> uh, thank you. You can, thank you. you can buy his entire series, you know, on DVD. They've just brought it out. It's fucking 45 quid. And it's not even in a big, massive box. And it's like, I want it so badly, but... I but not pay, for that. I can't so, pay that much. Paying 45 quid to watch Spider-Man farts a bit much. Like. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, do you know when when Hogan, like, uh, poses with Sid? Sid looks so fucking impressive that... He does look class, doesn't he? I've doesn't... always thought Sid had a mint physique. And the fact that he's hairy, like, yeah. contributes to it for me. It makes him look more like a proper man. It you know, just... it's all a bit pretty and baby-oiled and shaved. Like the... Yeah. It, it makes Hogan look more like a thing of, a thing of the past. No wonder, no wonder 
in, in front of a New York crowd at the Rumble, the cheering Sid when he fucking eliminated Hogan and the booing well, Hogan. I would have been. Yeah. Um, I was, I've never really got Hogan when he was a face. Like, the 80s stuff's fun. I don't like anything he does in the 90s when he's not in the NWO. I understand that, yeah. Um, like, there's... for me, the end, the end of my interest in Hulk Hogan as a babyface is after he loses to Warrior at SummerSlam, at WrestleMania. No, I understand that because he's off Dean Films by that. He becomes a part-timer. And but the, the, the problem is when he's back and he talks about he does this on interviews as well. It's almost like he feels like it's not him struggling to try and win the belt because he wants to be the champion. It's like it's his right. Like, how dare he have lost the belt? How dare Jack Tony have screwed him over and stuff like that? And he, he does come across like a whingy little bitch. Cry baby. <laughs> yeah, I always thought Hogan seemed like a fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's us not getting Hogan for the for the podcast. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the uh, besides the wedding, which the uh, I mean, it, God, I mean, there's no time limit for the wedding, I guess. <laughs> you know, um, I'm guessing. That, yeah. <laughs> well, That's the show most bored I've ever been on pay per view ever. <laughs> like I've, I think you've you know, we've been talking about it. Ah, you. <laughs> uh, you know. Um, for, okay, I have been that bored. <laughs> that was the only time more bored. No one fell asleep like, during this at least. I don't think. No, <laughs> I mean, fuck me, I can't believe it. You know, we've talked about it today, and I've been like, I did actually enjoy this show more than I remember enjoying it when I watched it the other day. Mm-hmm. I think the issue for me is just that, like, we got the yeah, Yellow D versus the Nasties. No, that wasn't that good. Ooh, uh, IRS versus Greg Valentine. That's not good either. What the fuck is this main event? And now there's a wedding. Yeah, <laughs> there's um the show the music video uh and the with different music with different music the the song together it's it's pure early nineties cheese uh but it's it's not a bad song. it's def it's got to be a Jimmy Hart or Jim Johnson thing but for whatever reason because it's only anthology it's got words because he's the yeah. fucking guy for that shit well it's only anthology but for and it's on the Thai classics and everything but for some reason they over they use a real song but the song is so shit wank yeah. it's and it feels like it's never gonna fucking end with that chorus over and over again and uh yeah. I was dying before the wedding even started because <laughs> that fucking music video so the uh, what I love about this wedding though, like Poffo's not there, like Angelo's not there, <laughs> like who are these? <laughs> you know, who are these people? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they even ask on commentaries, like, do you think these are related to the bride? Do you think maybe they're with the groom? <laughs> it's like you don't even know. Okay, <laughs> that that is the worst way to end a pay per view. Like, I love ever. that. I, I do, do this lo- on free television. That's true. I do love the little flower girl walking down the aisle. <laughs> like. She, like no, she's cute. She's they're they are two very cute kids. Yeah, they are, and there's no like nerves or anything like that. It's just like, but imagine having a wild, drunk fucking garden crowd with in wet with a little girl. I, I was actually looking at it thinking, please don't be horrible to the kids. Please <laughs> be nice is, to the children. Heenan is. He says yeah, he's allowed to be though, and he's on commentary. Yeah, he said the boy was a midget and stuff like that, and uh, <laughs> just Heenan trying desperately to make this into something worth watching. Yeah, and and you know what? He is very funny. <laughs> and the tease, like he's gonna say no <laughs> to get to the nuptials bit, and he's like, "Oh, don't do it, Savage. Say I do. Say I do." I was like, "Oh my god!" Do you notice how they don't have mics on? They must have a little clip on mics underneath the dresses or whatever. Um, yeah, they must do. But uh, yeah, it, 
you know, I don't know. How do you review? How do you review a wedding when like there's no angle like coming? Four out of ten. It's only a two-star <laughs> wedding. No, that yeah. wedding had happened in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they basically they go off air uh, with with the wedding and the the. There's no pyro, but the streamers and confetti and balloons and stuff like that. So on the Coliseum video, and I mean, when's the last time you watched this, the reception? Fucking ages ago, but it is good, the reception. Yeah, well, they do it as a, a highlight reel where Gene, uh, well, Alfred Hayes is doing the voiceover and uh, talk about the first dance and talk about Liz throwing the flowers and all that kind of stuff and eating cake and all that kind of stuff. And Gene Oakland's hosting... <laughs> The entire reception, and uh, I love that they called Mr. and Mrs. Macho. <laughs> I didn't um, notice that. <laughs> and uh, they do the thing where they just kind of stood there, him and Liz, and they're shaking everyone's hand. And Sid fucking shakes the hand, and you know, it's like the, he's the only wrestler that they've invited, except Bobby Heenan, who's just like sick of his life. And Bobby Heenan and Gene Oldman's oh, Randy Savage is just like, show him the exit. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> didn't invite anyone else on the roster. Didn't invite his brother. Didn't. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's what you'd expect. Just fucking mush, basically. So then it gets to the point where Gino or Alfred Hayes is like, this lovely occasion has been, you know, just spectacular and romantic until this happened. And then <laughs> the opening the presents and the fucking snake comes out. And uh, it's, it's, Classic WWF. Like I, I, I did like that the reception yeah. though. Like um, put that on the pay per view and not the wedding. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I really, just don't give a fuck about that wedding. It's so boring. You just against love. That's what you are. Like, oh, I totally. I mean, so were they at the point they fucking hated each other. They're divorced. Not long after. It's like, oh no, you've been married for like a decade and it's fallen apart. Let's marry us on TV. <laughs> Um, so the snake comes out of the box, and I mean it's a real fucking snake, but I'm guessing I don't know. I'm it's guessing, been devenomized. Well, it's been devenomized, but I'm wondering if it's been doped up or whatever, because it could still fucking launch for someone, I guess, after being miserably fucking stuck in a box for like an hour. Um it might just pissed it off. That uh, yeah, true. So Jake and Taker come out and uh start brain savage, and then Jake's holding the snake. Under Jaker, please use their correct team. <laughs> So they uh, start trashing the the room and flipping the tables and that, and then Jake's holding the snake in front of Elizabeth's face. But you get a point of view shot of the snake from Elizabeth's point of view. <laughs> then you get a point of view shot of the fucking what? snake. Like, but like why? <laughs> like, fucking why? Like yeah, we would be able to see that cameraman. Yeah, and Elizabeth is not a good actor, like or actress. I'm no, sorry, but, no, uh, she's not. She's yes, not. Um, and then that's that's. Basically, how they, this like uh, Alfred is like this monstrosity of a you know an attack and you know for a Coliseum. It's video. just a, it's just a fucking snake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shown exclusively on Coliseum. Yeah, this tragedy. <laughs> so yeah, that that is uh, that is the end of uh, SummerSlam '91, and uh, it's there's nothing quite like that show. It, like, don't you they know, get the snake to bite Randy on television later? Anyway, I'm sure he gets bit in the ring as well. Uh, he gets bit where? <laughs> <laughs> I'll rephrase that. I'm sure the snake bites. I thought you were talking about the, in the ring. I thought you were talking about that wedding night or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I really did not want to imagine <laughs> Savage getting his arse munched. <laughs> um, so yeah, he does. Oh, no. They continue the the storyline basically because this is I, again I 
they went after Warrior with the snake and everything, but there the didn't seem to be any uh, link between Jake and Savage, unless there's something I've completely missed. I don't know why originally Jake attacked Savage. There was no reason for it, but then that did start. Well, I, I think I remember, actually. Oh, okay. Um, It's with Savage being retired. I think it's just a case that isn't Jake coming out and he's like insulting him on the microphone like all the time, knowing right. Savage can't do anything about it. And it's right. just like being a coward is what I think. You know, after he's done the like, you can never trust a snake thing to worry you. Mm-hmm. I think it's just that it's like, well, you can't do shit about this. And, you know, like, you know, like winding up a dog that's on a chain kind of scenario. I think it's like just like that basically as simple as that. Ah, that makes sense. Then I've got. I, I could be totally wrong. No, no, my memory from back then isn't very great. That makes a lot of sense because that's how Jake eventually got Savage in the ring for the snake bite thing. He's goading him, and then he eventually comes in the ring. Um, that mid to late '91 is so good for heel angles. Um, you've yeah, got the yeah, snake bite. You've got when. But Flair... WWE is WCW is not at the time. No. Well, when Flair comes out, he's uh, antagonizing Piper. And um, you've seen, you'll have seen the clip where he's like fucking pushing his head and stuff like that. And then Piper and Flair have to get held back. And then Piper picks up a chair. He's ready to hit Flair. And Vince gets in the way and he fucking smacks Vince across the back. And it's just, <laughs> just a wild, like, they were so good at that point for just really having a lot of heat. Um, and, you know, take a win in the belt and, uh, like, say the snake bite and stuff like that. There was there's so much decent everything picked up once flair came in basically and when uh and when jake turned heel as well it like it really was like them pressing the reset button and like going in different directions with a lot of people and like say starting brett with the intercontinental title and um upping the quality of the shows by having him in prominent positions with you know just great matches against whoever um, and you know it, it, the boss man might if you'd probably had to have been ended and you know thank fuck that ended the slaughter Mustafa uh, Adnan stuff Warrior was gone like you know things did really take a turn after SummerSlam 92 and at uh, 91 I don't necessarily think for the worst I think they just realised they had to go in different directions with stuff and freshen things up a little bit um, that's just my take on that um, fresh out you'd know better than me uh, yeah, that's the thing. 91 isn't my most watched yet. Um, no, the WCW stuff from then definitely isn't for me. Like, <laughs> uh, But, there's, you know, there's so much going on that I think people forget about. And 91's a pretty historic year for both companies. Like backstage stuff. Yeah. And, you know, Flair obviously being uh, in the centre of that. Uh, I mean, who went from WWF to WCW in 91? I can't think there's many. Paul it, Roma. <laughs> I don't think even that was until later. Um, That's the only thing that springs to mind. The, Otherwise, it's like 92, isn't it? Like Valentine. Yeah, yeah. Um, it did seem like 91, even though business might have been not as good, it seemed like WWF were kind of on a roll creatively. Whereas, it's, isn't that also partially WCW are so not on a roll creatively <laughs> at the time? They couldn't be rolling less. <laughs> yeah, they're actually rolling backwards because they, you know, stopped and um, <laughs> they're going back down the fucking hill. <laughs> so yeah, SummerSlam '91. Uh, I I like that show. It's it's not an event I go back and watch that often, to be honest, because I have a feeling that I can't like, think why the rose-colored glasses. It's it's that BoJack line, isn't it? When uh, 
you just wear rose-coloured glasses, you don't see the red flags. <laughs> yeah, they all just look like flags. <laughs> um, but I enjoyed watching it. I probably won't watch it for another, like, five years. But, I thought, you know, watching it on the 30th anniversary, I do do that kind of thing, watch it on anniversaries and that, because, you know, it's uh, as good of a reason as any to put on a pay-per-view. But uh, Yeah, that's fair. So where we go next with Turn Chuckle 2000, I can't fucking wait. <laughs> it's Super Brawl next. Yes. Which has got some fucking silly shit in that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to see what happened next for Eat All the Tea <laughs> as they fight over the letter T. Sadly, no Sesame Street stuff goes on. I, I had in my head that it was a T on a pole, but I, I'm, I'm thinking of a different match with a letter on a pole, you know, because I've definitely seen it. Unless I'm mixing up the X Division when they just had a fucking X. You know, for the ultimate X matches, and it was like it wasn't a belt or anything. There's just a fucking X in the sky, and there's no way fucking Ahmed's going to start crawling. The gladiator. That's a good point. Like, how stupid am I? <laughs> it's going to go up a fucking pole. Is he hell? <laughs> oh, I, I, watching that with you, I never seen it before. Uh, I'd seen sold out because of you know everyone leaving at the after the show, and I thought it, it is like, actually really good that sold out as well. It People is forget. Um, but uh, Super Bowl, I mean, it's it's something else. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if you can call it, it's bad, but it's bad in a very, very watchable, what the fuck it's is this? very entertaining, even yeah. when it's terrible. And there's returns, there's surprise finish. I mean, one of the finishes is a, a huge fucking surprise. <laughs> WCW <laughs> didn't even know what was going to happen. Um, <laughs> But there's such a mishmash of talent on that show, and some who I didn't even realize were around in 2000 as well. It was a very unpredictable uh, show, to say the least. Um, and it's an amazing shit show. It really is. Yeah. A lot of WCW 2000 is an amazing shit show. Like you yeah. never get bored. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the last defense of someone that's really shit, isn't it? It's like, well, we're not boring at least. <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally agree. But that's Vince Russo to a T, isn't it? It's like, oh, but you're talking about it, aren't you? Oh, yeah, but I'm saying, I can't fucking believe you just did that, you moron. <laughs> so I uh, want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode of Turn Chuckle and uh, do tune into the Chala podcast uh, and everything else that is uh, being done on BBG Wrestling as well. What have you got coming up with uh, Rogue Country? Uh, at the moment with Rogue Radio, I'm currently recording a Tom T. Hall tribute special because he's just died and he's one of the iconic songwriters from country music in the 70s. Like, there's the, I don't mean even you, but there's like hits he wrote that even you will know. Like, for example, he wrote Harper Valley PTA. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm, I'm putting together a show mostly about him, obviously interspersing in the usual, like, modern artists and UK artists and what have you. But, yeah. I'm quite looking forward to that. I love Tom T. Hall. Sadly died the night CM Punk was debuting. I'd just been to a wedding and uh, me and my lass had just sat down and we were like waiting for the Punk debut thing to happen. And we're just like, oh, I'll just have a look at Twitter and see what's going on. <laughs> oh. That's a real so we're, Yeah, uh, <laughs> We just sat and sang some of his songs together and that it was very sad. <laughs> it's been, it, it always seems, over the past year or two, certainly, there's been like a country person die every couple of months because I'm like, it shows up on the news and then I make a point to like send it to you. But I feel like I've done that so many times over the past like year or so. Like it's, um, it's, it's been country Armageddon the last two years, hasn't it? The week before, I'd just done a Nancy Griffiths tribute show. Yeah. It's like, can, can amazing artists and songwriters stop dying, please? <laughs> well, yeah, you don't want to become the fucking, uh, I know I'm going to become the fucking obituary radio show soon. 
Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's but uh, but I'm sh- uh, sure it'll be great, and uh, everyone needs to uh, check that out as well. So yeah, I'm looking forward, very much looking forward to uh, going delving into uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> That'll um, be a blast. <laughs> oh, uh, and I want to thank everyone for continuing to tune in to uh, Turn Chuckle on BBGWrestling.com. So from myself and Tempest, we will see you all next time. Peace.